The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to our listeners, wherever and whenever you may be listening. This is your co-host, Zach Hayes, bringing you yet another edition of Shag and Flies. This time, we are subjecting you, listener, to the complete and utter insufferability of two Chicagoans talking about Chicago, as we brought the incomparable Janice Scurio onto the pod for a good long conversation about many, 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 many different things. Uh, But before we get to that, in case you don't know, Janice is a baseball writer, duh, whose work has been featured on Southside Sox and in Sports Illustrated, and can now be found over at Baseball Prospectus and NBC Sports Edge. She is also a former librarian, beer can art enthusiast, an active member of White Sox Twitter, the host of the excellent Northside Sox podcast, and just on the whole one of the most brilliant and cool people out there right now creating baseball content. As we tend to do at Shag and Flies, we went all over the place with Janice. She talks about working with power tools as a librarian, which is a thing you have to do sometimes, apparently, and uh, some other misconceptions about the line of work and profession as a whole. She talks about growing up, listening to Hawk Harrelson in Chicago, working working Plato's Apologia into baseball articles, uh, Chicago hot dogs, and few critiques of capitalism sprinkled in there too. It was all really, really super fun and interesting. So, all that being said, without any more stalling, let's get to our conversation with Janice Scurio here on Shaggin' Flies. but I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what the perception of pitcher list I I just thought like pitcher list was literally a a pitcher list, like a list of pitchers. (laughs) And and, I mean, I I was right. Yeah, I I think when I first stumbled upon pitcher list, I was just doing like research um, and just uh, looking up a couple of guys I I wasn't too familiar with. And so I saw like all of like the different pitches and a lot of those gifts and a lot of like the the pitch breakdowns. And I'm like, oh, this this is dope. This is cool. Yeah. You want to know? So you want to know a secret? Um, when I first started with Pitcher List, 
I uh, completely lied. We'll edit this out. I completely lied to Nick in our um, in my email to him because <laughs> I was like, I'm a big fan of your site. I had never seen the site. Before. Okay, I we saw have it to, once. We're going to edit this out. We're going to edit this out only so you can actually tell this to him in like two weeks when we bring it back. No, I think I did tell this to him when ah. we did our test podcast. I don't know. I anyway, know you did. You didn't. Oh, I didn't? Oh, my bad. Just, yeah, yeah, leave it in. Leave it no, in. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we're good. No, what happened was so – this is like four or five years ago. I was just looking for freelance work. I had been doing a whole bunch of odd freelance jobs, like really odd freelance jobs. Like I wrote trivia questions for a bar trivia company, uh, stuff like that. Um, turning down weird jobs that I found on Craigslist. Like I had someone who's just like, I need somebody to write 87 prayers for me. What and the hell? Have, <laughs> I feel like that's 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 a particular kind of struggle hallmark is just the process of going through Craigslist like odd oh jobs and stuff like that. Dude, <laughs> the, the so the um the weirdest freelance job I saw was a uh they needed a this support group for wealthy people which already Oh my goodness. I know. Yeah. Well, the support were they paying group a lot for wealthy? Like I don't know, they didn't they didn't give a rate. But uh, and my my policy was if they don't post a rate in the in the post, I'm not touching it. Um, but the support group for wealthy people needed a ghostwriter to write about personal experiences uh, with the struggles of being wealthy, like having you know expectations are too high for the wealthy people. They're all expected to succeed, you know, all this stuff. And Thoughts I was and just prayers. like, God. yeah, right. I'm just like, you need me to sit there and just write like, Oh, the air conditioning in my Bugatti doesn't go low enough. Like <laughs> my Wi-Fi doesn't reach to the home sauna or whatever. And, and it was a ghost writing thing. So I wasn't even going to get credit for it. Some rich person in the support group was going to take credit for the personal struggle story that I was going to write for that. I just, I would like to be yeah, so wealthy where I have to hire someone to explain how, how, yeah. how much of a struggle I'm going through. I, oh like, my God. I, I, I don't want to be that wealthy. It I, was, think this, I, I think whoever a few years ago, whoever it was that ghost wrote a bunch of Trump's books, like came out and actually got a book deal. Like, yeah. Obviously just for having been like behind the scenes. Of, well, there was, yeah, the guy who ghost wrote the, um, the art of the deal was like all over the news talking about like, here's what Trump's like. Um, but yeah, that was the weirdest. I was at a lot of people, uh, a lot of things that were like, I got this great idea for a movie. I just need someone to write the script. You can split the royalties with me. And I'm like, pass <laughs> hard so, pass. Man. So uh, books might be a good segue, I guess into like, our first official thing maybe that we have on here. Janice, thank you for joining yeah. us. Uh, we don't really do, I guess, on-air introductions because we usually record a little thing yeah. beforehand. So uh, you were known, are still known in many corners of the baseball internet as the the baseball librarian. So Yeah, that's that that's strange because <laughs> there there are actually plenty of baseball librarians. I, I, I'm not the only one. So but that's kind of why I was trying to rebrand myself like maybe some odd months ago. Uh, I, I didn't want to be known as the baseball librarian. There are multiple. Yeah, there, there, there are many of us. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely needed to move away and kind of create my own brand. And also, too, I'm, I'm not a librarian anymore by trade. 
Um, I mean, I, my master's is in library science, but uh, it's already been like, I, I left the library uh, world about two and a half years ago. Um, and I don't know, it, like, like it's weird. It, it definitely it, it is weird because I feel as if like innately I'm still a librarian. And I mean, I, I probably carry a lot of, you know, librarian type things in me. So, I mean, if I uh, go and see just the, the, the completely messed up like knowledge organization system of some, some uh, workplace or whatever, and it's a complete Mercy. mess, then I, I will say something like, like nothing drives me more mad when I am looking this up and I cannot find the answer to things. So uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm still kind of a librarian in that sense. That sounds very librarian. <laughs> yeah, our, our first show, we had a whole conversation with, with Alex about like how we have our various books organized. And I think his were by color. On yeah, the oh, which okay. is weird to me. I don't like that. Which seems very disorienting. But Alphabetical I mean. by author. Like... <laughs> So do you use Dewey Decimal or like, do you have, like, is that ingrained like, in your head? Like personally? In your own? Yeah. In your own collection? Are you like super? Follow question. What oh, is yeah. Dewey Decimal? How does it work? Oh my God. <laughs> well, um, I guess to preface, like Dewey was like a total. Uh, <laughs> kind of a I, 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 Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was into eugenics. I'm pretty sure he was. Oh man he was sexist. He was, yeah, you know, inferably racist, you know, being into eugenics, you know, also, also infers <laughs> that you're racist. Yeah. Can you, can yeah, you, yeah, that, can that, you imagine of, like kind someone of inferred is that? Um, so, so maybe like this is the bad librarian in me, but my, my books actually are not organized at all. <gasps> what? You just have like some pearl clutching here. Like, oh my God, organized I chaos know. or unorganized chaos. I like it. Because like my books stay, they stay, the thing is they stay organized for like all of like three days. <laughs> and then like they just get shuffled around anywhere because like, you know, I'm not going to think about it more than twice a year, I guess. So, but I try. Mm -hmm. I try. Um, so yeah. I, I have fun like organizing that. Like I, I, get a kick out of like organizing my record collection. Like that's, that's fun. I don't know why it's fun. I catalog the whole thing. I have it in alphabetical order by artist, then chronological order. If there's multiple records by one artist, I don't know why it's just fun, but I mean, yeah, I also get that. It's, it never serves a practical purpose for me. Like, I mean, it's nice to be able to find a record quickly, but at the same time, it's more just, I don't know. I have fun organizing it. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Uh <laughs> My books are, they, they definitely do not exist for a functional purpose. They're basically <laughs> here because I don't want to get rid of them. And great reason. If, <gasps> are yeah, you a book yeah. hoarder? Like no, you don't get rid of your books? Yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, I, I definitely have owned more books, like maybe in earlier versions of myself. But uh, moving around, um, yeah, books are a pain in the ass to move. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I just remember uh, just having like a good two, three boxes just full of books and just wanting to die because <laughs> the, <laughs> they're so heavy. Yeah, they, they get heavy. They get heavy. Uh, so I, I think uh, before, like the last time I moved, I, I did a really serious kind of, you know, hey, like, are, are you really seriously going to read this or are you just keeping it around to make yourself look smart? 
Uh, yeah, so, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I well, so <laughs> I I also get the like not wanting to get rid of the, and maybe it's just because I get this from my dad. My dad keep has kept every book that he's like ever read since he was in high school. And wow. that's a ton of books. That's, he's that, got that, that's a lot. Yeah, it's he's got um, I think he's got two or three bookshelves in my parents' basement that are full double stacked. Um, there's at least one, two, three, four or five more bookshelves I can think of that are full uh, in that house. It's just he he reads like crazy and he never. And then we got him a Kindle for like Christmas one year. And now he does everything on Kindle. Um most, I think part of that was my mom saying, like, look, we can't store any more books. <laughs> because I feel like people who are so hardcore about books like that, I feel like most of them are not going to make the switch to Kindle easily. They're going to be very resistant. To he, he was at first um, mostly because he didn't like staring at a screen. But then he looked at the Kindle and he was like, oh, this looks like a book. Cool. And then he just kind of I like to read on Kindle as well. I like the convenience of it. But there is something about the physical book. I don't know what it is. But there's just something nice about a book. I think it's still the student in me, but I just write all over the place. And sorry, Dennis, what were you saying? Oh no, I wasn't saying anything. Go on. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Wait, you just, write we, in your books? Oh yeah, it's like still the student in me. I'm like taking notes wow. and everything. Like I'm for who I don't know. Just things pop into my head, and I'm like used to writing them down. So there they go. I, I underline that. Things, I, I you know. I'm totally nerd, get that. But, yeah. I totally get that. But I I don't like like I don't know. It feels like I'm defacing the book. I, <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's a tough feeling to get over for sure. Um, so what kind of type of librarian were you when you were in the industry? Did you work was it like a public library or school or? Um, uh, I actually, I was an academic li librarian. Hmm. Uh, so I was at DePaul University for about two years. Uh, oh, uh, I was, I, I was managing their maker space, like oddly enough. Hmm. And that was a really fun job. I, I got to work with 3D printers all day and teach people how to use 3D printers and uh, just essentially uh, make sure that people don't cut any appendages off with a lot of the power tools that we had. <laughs> Uh, that was a really fun job. Um, so especially like when I would tell people, oh, yeah, I'm a librarian. And you're like, oh, you must sit around and read all day. And I'm like, no, I actually work with high-end power tools. And they're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> That's right. That's one of the things I wanted to say is like, I feel like there's so many misconceptions about just like what libraries are, what librarians do, what functions they serve. They do and you guys do so many different things that people just don't think about. Everyone thinks like, oh, sit around and read all day. No. So what's like, what are, what are some of the fun things or some of the other things that you enjoy doing about the, about the job when you were, when you were there? Yeah. Yeah. So DePaul was super cool. Uh, I, I just basically uh, just uh, waffled around academia. I talked to students, talk, talked to faculty, talked to staff. Um, it was a super fun job. Uh, before that, I was a teen services librarian in Madison, mm -hmm. Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, that was pretty fun, too. Um, essentially, uh, if you, you are a public facing public librarian, then a lot of your job involves a lot of social work. So uh, I definitely saw a lot of really hard things. Um, the police were a, a frequent presence in our library, which I wasn't really a huge fan of. Um, it, why is again, that? Why, why were the police at the library a lot? Uh, just, you know, um, uh, long story short, uh, the, the branch that I worked at was considered an underserved area, uh, AKA mm. a lot of, a lot of people of color were living in the area, mm. specifically mm. black people. 
Uh, yeah. So as a result, it was heavily policed. Oh, uh, so, yeah, sure. Um, a police presence doesn't necessarily uh, foster a really great community vibe in the library. So as a result, uh uh, the police being there uh, chase the people who really need to be in the library the most. So, is it, people don't realize how important libraries are to people who don't have internet access at home. Exactly. Uh, people exactly. who don't have other yeah. resources, even even for for you know unhoused people, they're in you know places of shelter and definitely uh, and, and and they belong to... precisely yeah mm -hmm. unhoused people belong in the library as well and uh, we also did a lot of outreach too um i did a lot of work with the uh, local um juvenile detention center so that was fun and so zach when you were uh, talking about like the misconceptions of of librarians so a lot of the times when i would uh, go on dates with guys they'd be like oh are you a kinky librarian and I'm like, actually, no, I, I just worked with a bunch of incarcerated youth uh, and they'd be and they'd be like, oh, buzzkill. <laughs> oh, my God. That is awful. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, not 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 to throw the whole the whole topic off too much. But no, yeah, no, we it's live essentially... for this. This is what oh, the show oh, awesome. is about. Okay. Yeah. Nice. There, is right there, there is no topic to stay on. <laughs> All right, nice. So then, then I'll guess I'll just go off some more. Um, yeah, I think especially with uh, uh, the whole misconception of librarians, uh, I think because it's such a, uh, there are a lot of women in the profession. Uh, but one thing that's not really talked about a lot is that uh women aren't really promoted to administrator positions. Typically mm. you see men in like the mm. high level administrative library positions. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, there, there's lots of discourse right now in the library world, how um, especially uh, women, uh, sometimes even women of color are used to perform lots of, uh, lots of emotional labor. And so a lot of them also perform lots of social work. Uh, not a lot of librarians have training in social work. Uh, I, I didn't actually like when I went through school, I was just basically told, uh, Hey, here is how you, uh, put on a story time for kids, or here is how you like say, uh, put on a successful, uh, I don't know, like sewing program for the elderly or something, but uh, they, they really don't tell you, um, say, uh, here's how you do outreach to, uh, underserved communities, or this is how you deescalate a situation, uh, or this is what you do when you find someone who's overdosed in the bathroom. Uh, so th th they really don't prepare Jeez. you for any of that. I uh, mean, I, yeah. <laughs> full, full transparency, uh, coming into this conversation, I had very little idea what a librarian actually does, save for like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, customer service and making sure books are where they're supposed to go. If you like, literally, if you had put a gun to my head and you said, name five things librarians do, I'd be like, you might as well shoot me. <laughs> Uh, so I am coming from a place of complete ignorance and everything you are saying to me is like, what? Like, it's, it's crazy. And, yeah. and it's, you're right. I think it's because people just don't know. I, I, I think people coming from having spent most of like the recent years of my life in education, like when I was, I was a history and literature major as an undergrad and people would just say the same thing. Oh, so you're going to be a teacher. Like, Oh, so you're going to be a teacher. Oh, yeah. so you're going to be a teacher. Yeah. What are you going to do with the history? And I'm like, and I think there's, what that speaks to is that there's like just kind of a general, what's the word? Like a bias against 
the the humanities and just those lines of work because people really think that there's not a lot of actual function that goes on into those jobs they think it's so just kind of like highfalutin reading and writing and you know right. absorbing your own thing and you're yeah. not really i was doing gonna say anything. i was that's gonna say are you my dad because that's exactly <laughs> yeah like and... what are you gonna do be a teacher oh you majored in psychology what are you gonna it's do it's like get, uh, my know. favorite thing on twitter is like people especially it's stem people the eternal stem humanities battle yeah you know stem oh, people they really do you know talk about how much harder their stuff is and uh you know dookie all over the liberal arts and then they go home and watch tv shows written by artists and listen to music right designed by artists in house right. just like in a house built by architects and yeah yeah. That stuff. yeah, I think there's no, there's yeah. a lack of appreciation for sure for just that kind of totally aspect of our of our lives and our communities. And I also think uh, within the scope of capitalism, a lot of people will tend to think like, what makes money? Like, mm. what what exactly is a major that will like say produce mm -hmm. the most amount of yeah. revenue, the most amount of income? So I mean, um, I, I double majored in English and philosophy in college. So uh, I've got a lot of like, like, what the fuck are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, like, fair point. Uh, I, I, I just liked philosophy. I, I just thought like, because I was good at it, um, it is something that made me feel good about myself. So that's why I decided to major in it. I um, love that you said you're good at philosophy. <laughs> I just the the idea of like of like being good at philosophy. It just I right. Well, what that really means is that I was yeah. actually just good at writing about it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just imagining like some philosophers be like, "Excuse me, I'm better at philosophy than you. <laughs> I'm a professional philosophy person." Right. And and then so uh, say if I would tell someone, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a philosophy major," uh, and they'd be like, "Why? Like, like what are you gonna do with that?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna go to law school." It, 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 that would be a completely acceptable answer because mm -hmm. in their mind, lawyers equal money, lawyers equal revenue, lawyers equal like I'm going to be rich someday, uh, which is a completely shitty uh, thing to to believe. Um, the only thing that my philosophy degree has gotten me, uh, I'm currently writing an article about the Baltimore Orioles, and it references oh. Plato's apology like like a lot. You yeah. are, yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know Janice, but I am I'm a huge Orioles fan. Like oh, okay, diehard awesome. Orioles, long suffering Orioles fan. So uh, yes, I, I, I want to read that. So what are you writing about the Orioles for? Like, what is this for a site or? Uh, yeah, so it is the 2021 season preview for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, oh, so perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, I was looking at last year's. They they, they do this every year, and uh, last year's. Um, was like just so incredibly like it, 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 I was reading it last night and I'm like how the hell am I going to top this like holy shit <laughs> yeah. um it essentially uh detailed these nine scenarios of uh, Pakoda project projections so the 50th percentile mm -hmm. is essentially what what Pakoda thinks uh the Orioles are going to do and I can even tell you 100 what... losses yep yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually, I think, the, the 20th and 10th percentile. But, oh, okay. oh yeah, that's the, optimistic. The, so oh, really? Dakota, Dakota thinks that the Orioles will finish at 66 and 96. So, so, so like, close, like, 96 is close to 100. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm good with that. 
(laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, with this series, they definitely want you to take artistic license with it. Uh, So here, just a quick preview. Um, I created this scenario where there is a rift in the space-time continuum and uh, Adley, Adley Rushman from like 2022, like, <laughs> like travels back in time and uh, like starts his service time clock. And there's like this huge like argument over whether time travelers are like uh, starting their service clocks. And uh, it, it, it's, it's just absolutely bizarre. Then they, um, then they go with the Airbud rule. No, there's nothing in the rule book that says time travelers can't play baseball. <laughs> And then there's a part where um, uh, Adley Rutschman, like the current day Adley, uh, is like, I can't talk to him. I can't talk to my future self because, like, that's going to completely like change the course of history forever. Like, I can't like ask crossing him any the streams, questions. you know? You yeah, exactly. No, I yeah, you can't. That's it's it's a paradox. You can't talk to you. So so so, so he decides to stay in AAA. Like he's working on his contact. He's like, I I, I just can't. Like I, I I need to stay as far away from that guy as possible. Like, Especially if like future Adley Rutschman actually sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably the one thing he's afraid about. He's I, like, what, uh, uh, that's what, what I'm terrified of. That's what I'm terrified of. I mean, I've been hurt so many times as an okay. Orioles fan. I don't run. There was like two years where they were good, and it was like this. Nobody. It was really funny. The first year that they made the playoffs, everyone in Baltimore was kind of like, mm, I'm skeptical. Like, even like they're <laughs> in the playoffs, and all of Baltimore was like, mm, I don't know if I want to believe in this just yet. And then the next year we were like, okay, I'm kind of believing in this. Maybe there's some hope. And then just, it was destroyed. And between that and like where they are now and where they were in the two thousands when I was watching them. Yeah. I've had so many like Brian Mattis is the next can't miss prospect. Brian Mattis and Steven Strasburg, the two best pitching prospects in baseball. (laughs) Can't, I was at, I was at Orioles fan fest and they had a panel like fan forum. They had a panel and said the future of the Orioles. And it was five players. It was Brian Mattis, it was Chris Tillman, Brad Burgesson, Jake Arietta, and uh, I Britain, don't know. The, oh, Britain and Britain and Zach Britton. It's like there's your future All Star starting five. That, that that's and, uh, kind of the the thing with the Orioles is that they tend to like have all these amazing prospects, but then they end up being great elsewhere. That, that, that uh, seems oh to be yeah, like uh, Bundy. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bundy's the most recent example. Uh, Zach Davies. We traded Zach him. Davies. Zach I Davies. Did, we traded I, I him for. Completely forgot that Zach Davies was yeah. an Oriole. We like, traded him for like uh, Gerardo Parra, so we might as well have traded yeah. it for half a season of Gerardo <laughs> Parra. Um, there, Josh Hader. That was that was fun. We traded him for Bud Norris. Yeah. Oh my god. Bud Norris. It was a and and a can of warm oh, coke, those I think. Astros. That was that was what sent him to the Astros yep. then. Sent him wow. to the Astros. I didn't know Bud that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then there's um talk about getting fleeced right there. Oh my god. Yeah, oh, I mean, and obviously Koji. Arietta. Eddie Arietta. Was Koji before he became a lockdown closer in the World Series. Um no, well, was we it? got Koji from the Rangers. We got Koji right. um in the wait, was that the No, no, no. Chris Davis trade, we gave up Koji. I think right. and got Chris Davis. Okay, and you got, but you got and, Chris Davis, which can be taken. Well, which was or... which was super cool for like a few years, and then you know now we're going to be paying. We're going to be paying Chris Davis Wait. like millions a year until like three years after 
Bryce Harper's contract is over. We will still he's, be paying Chris Davis. And and he's like 49% of the payroll too, which yeah. is absolutely it's, nuts. Can you imagine if looking at that today? Can you imagine if the White Sox had been paying Adam Dunn until like 2017? <laughs> like, good God. We, so I can tell you exactly. So it was a seven-year, $161 million contract. We will be paying Chris Davis through 2037. Oh, my goodness. He receives, uh, after 2022, he receives $3.5 million a year from the Orioles through 2032. And then he receives $1.4 million a year uh, through 2037. So, so when, is, like, when is Bobby Bonilla's thing up? Like, is he going to be the new Bobby Bonilla? Or <laughs> man, uh, don't even get. I, you know, and you know, it's great. It's a great yearly tradition when Chris Davis says in the offseason he's working on his swing. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're 36. <laughs> which is stop, which is stop great. trying, man. Like, it's I. Like, it, 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 and, and it sucks because I know like there's this great sports illustrated profile on Davis and it's just, it's the saddest thing because him being bad, like very clearly weighs on him a lot. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a story in there of him, like just sobbing at his kitchen table with his wife because he can't figure out why he's so bad now. And like, it's just, it's the saddest thing. And and Orioles fans rag on him so much, and and I mean I do too because it's like a joke at this point. But I just I do feel bad for the guy. He's not like cocky about it. It's like the same thing with like Ubaldo Jimenez. Ubaldo was the nicest dude. I went to Fan Fest the year after the where he blew the uh, game when Buck threw him out there. Oh right, the, tie. Of Britain, the Zach yeah. Britton game. Yeah, that, yeah, it is no yeah, yeah. Zach Britton game. Yeah, it was yeah. a game in which so, he didn't pitch. Yeah. So the year at the off season after that, I went to Orioles fan fest and Ubaldo was like apologizing to the fans on the fan forums. Like oh just saying goodness. like, I'm really sorry. Like not just about that, just about his season about just not pitching. Well, he was just like, you know, I'm really, I don't feel like I'm putting out the product there for the fans and I'm really sorry. And I really want to be better for you guys and for, for the city of Baltimore and all this stuff. And I was just sitting there like, God, I feel so bad for this guy. Because everyone in Baltimore ragged on him constantly. Like, oh, God, Ubaldo's out here. And he just, he felt horrible about it. And, like, just for him to go to FanFest and apologize to everybody over and over. Like, just, uh, it was it was the saddest thing. But you, Yeah, you, you can't help but feel sorry for the guy. Um, and, I mean, yeah. it, it, like, it's so easy to rag on someone who's underperforming or not doing well. But, yeah, at the same time, like, everyone's human. Everyone is, yeah. like, yeah, a I person. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, the thing is, is like Chris Davis is fully aware of how bad he is, and he is fully aware of how much money he's making. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel bad. I try to root for him. It, two opening days ago, he was booed when he came in on opening day oh. at Camping Yards. Like, or it was a mix. It was like half booze, half cheers. And I was just like, guys, come on. Like, just let it be at this point, right? Right. Like, I mean, it's a sunk cost. It's, it's, it's already done. The contract's done. He's, you know, 36. If he can moderately produce, great. I'm I'm thrilled. <laughs> but like, you know, or if he just sits on the bench, whatever. We don't need to keep just dragging this guy. We've been dragged. Baltimore has been dragging Chris Davis for like six years. That is a lot of time to be booed constantly. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he, just- he might. 
He might possibly be like the baseball equivalent of a Prince Philip at, at this point. Oh where he's like, just looking as if he's like, like really holding on. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. I just, I, I feel so. And he, he set the record for literally the least productive right. season by a hitter ever uh, who qualified. It just, it, it's awful. But anyways, I look forward to reading your Orioles preview. I would love to read it. Yeah. Please absolutely. send it to me as soon as it's done. I, I, I would I would be honored to send it to you. Um I would not really knowing. And I'll forward too it to much. I'll forward it to Alex Fast too. Because he's ah, a huge Orioles yeah. fan too. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely writing about a team that I, I have very kind of a surface knowledge about always makes me slightly nervous. But I, I have enjoyed doing the research though. Uh so uh one more bit on Chris Davis before like we finally like let this go. Uh, I, I was reading uh, this uh, blurb about him in the baseball prospectus annual. And uh, yeah, there was this really poetic description about him where they're like, um, you know, a, uh, Chris Davis is sort of like standing uh, or, or looking at like ruins of ancient Greece where like, you could definitely tell that something great was once there, but like what you have in front of you are just like broken buildings. Um, wow. And so I, I, yeah. I thought, I thought that, I thought that was poetic. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's very BP esque. <laughs> that's, that's so, uh, yeah, that's exactly Chris Davis. He just, he was, he was so good too. Like he really was for like three oh, years. It's hard to hit fifty homers in a season. You know how hard it is to hit fifty homers yeah. in a season. That's really and hard. to hit like he hit like <laughs> almost three hundred. Yeah. yeah, he hit like almost three hundred. Went a hundred hundred runs in RBI. Like he had yeah. a four homer game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was he was he was crushed. David, I think really the same. Year, yeah, that same before, year before he the other. No, that's Crash Davis is the Oakland Chris Davis, right? Or th- are they both Crush? No, 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 Crash he's, Davis he's cr- is cr- Chris with a K. Yes, yes. That's K. That's K. Chris Davis. Crash but they both Davis. go by Crush, though. Yes, Crash Davis is from yes. uh, Bull Durham, Bull right? Durham. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm, that's... I'm pretty sure they that they go they both go by Crush though. You're right. Yes. But the Oakland Chris Davis is like K. K. K- Chris. K. Yeah. K- Chris Davis. Yeah. K- yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, um, the- for, for, for the record, though, we don't like literally we talked with Ahedo last week for four hours on the stream. So like, we have yeah, we did. absolutely when we say we have no time limits, like we yeah. do not need to cut yourself off with anything. That's the fun of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So how did you end up making your way to BP and all of these other places? You talked a little bit about this in your PitchCon panel, I know, but just how you came into the the baseball writing world in general. Um, and you've made a pretty, pretty, pretty quick rise to a pretty high platform. So uh, yeah. tell us all about it. Um, I, I mean, it, it all just happened so fast. Uh, and I mean, this is probably over the scope of like two years, but so, so, so maybe not so fast. Uh, I guess like to start off, um, I have always kind of been an active participant in White Sox Twitter, uh, Brewers Twitter too. Um, I, I, I also follow the Milwaukee Brewers quite closely. We're soul um, sisters as fan bases, I think. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Like, like post 1997, all of that other yeah. stuff is water. I hate the Cubs. The That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I've always been a, like an active participant on Twitter, uh, and then I had the editor of Southside Sox slide into my DMs and tell me like, "Hey, have you ever considered like writing about baseball?" And I was like, "Yes, I- I've always wanted to write about baseball, but at the time, um, 
I didn't think there was a place for my voice. I didn't think I had anything unique or special to say. Uh, I thought that everything that was already being said was the final word and that like no other, no other perspective was needed. Uh, but then I realized that that wasn't true at all. Um, I guess probably the one trepidation that I had was that like no one really there there was no one that really looked like me or or was was like me at the time. Everyone was always like older white male, and uh, to engage with a lot of older white men when it comes to sports, you know, being a youngish woman of color like that gets to be like super awkward. Uh, just mainly because they either like say question your credibility, question your you know the like knowledge, your ability to argue, so on and so forth. Uh, so I would imagine you probably get that a lot. I right. I mean, like I, I'm 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 saying because I know a lot of women who are like into sports get mm -hmm. that a lot, where they're just like, can you even name like four players in the White Sox or something like that, <laughs> like like that? And it's it's, it's, just, it's like right, and it, it's like person. like oh well, you know, like can you name Aloy Jimenez's mother's cousins? Like, well, then you're mother's. not a true White Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, it, it's definitely gotten a lot better, uh, and I, I, I feel as if this is strange uh, having a much bigger platform because uh, if someone is either rude to me or uh, questions my my abilities or knowledge, there's like five people that will jump in and like. <laughs> fight whoever is trying to start trouble with me. I, I don't necessarily condone that. Like I, that actually makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable when someone goes to bat for me like that. I mean, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm so used to arguing with people on my own, uh, but to, to, but to like see all my, to, to see a lot of my followers kind of do that for me is, is strange. Um, I, I don't feel as if I've necessarily earned like a place on this like throne where I can just be like, yes, go, you, go ahead and finish this, this peon that that's bothering me over here. Yes. Uh, my followers. <laughs> yes. Fight for yes. me. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my, my loyal followers go on yeah. and like do my dirty work for me. <laughs> I, I think that's definitely weird. And it's put me in like this weird position of power that like, I, I really like one year ago, if you told me that I would have been in a position like this, I would have been like, get out, get out. Like, you know, nah, I'm, I'm going to be a tech support computer jockey for, you know, um, an indeterminate amount of time. Like, I, I'm not going to get credentialed by Sports Illustrated. I'm not going to get picked up by baseball prospectus. Like, nah, like, get out of here. Um, And I guess, like, one big goal I had for myself this year, especially, was to uh, write uh, about just baseball in general and just like, like, like write more about than just the White Sox. Cause I felt as if for a long time, um, like I, that, that was just my comfort zone. Like, like that, that, that's all I could talk about. And I felt as if I wasn't really doing myself much of a service. So, uh, yeah, that's when uh, I wrote that Brewers article. Uh, that was like literally a month ago. Uh, so I'm, st I'm still, you know, relatively new and kind of like pushing myself further. Um, and then I started working for NBC. Uh, and then uh, I, I really had to... Uh, expand my horizons there. Like I I'm writing about guys that in some cases, like I either have a surface level knowledge on or like, like 
you know, prospect in like the Colorado Rockies system that I that I have never heard of before. And uh, yeah, I, I need to totally be on top of that. I need to know, um, say, uh, like what their deal is, uh, what their current goal is, like whether or not they have a chance of making the opening day roster, uh, say what their fantasy upside is. Uh, I need to be knowledgeable in all of that. So uh, yeah, that's been fun. And uh, yeah, I feel as if it's going to make me a better writer too. So oh, I really I'm sure, enjoy doing I'm sure that. it will. Yeah. The, the prospects people have always amazed me. Like yeah. the dynasty people we have at, at pitcher lists, like uh, Andy, uh, Andy Patton, Shelly. Uh, oh, I always butcher her last name and I'm so sorry, Shelly, if you're listening. Shelly. Yeah. I, I know who you're talking about, but Bergestrat, yeah, I, ah, I, I said it. I think it's Bergestrat. Yeah. Bergestrat. I think it's Vergastrat. Yeah. Every I, time I look at it and it's this, it's this, this like obstacle. And I'm just like, I'm not going to say it, but I, and I feel terrible because I'm sure she gets horrible mispronunciations let's, all the time. Let's, but let's get her on the pod in a few weeks. We can ask. You, we should, yeah, we should. Yeah. Uh, so, and we'll, we'll spend five minutes just with me saying her last name over and over. So I can just ingrain it in my brain. I butchered Mikey's last name too. So, um, but anyways, oh, hey. uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, we, we spent a full know. 10 minutes talking about it. We, well, yeah, we because so yeah, week, he has yeah. a he has a fun story about where his last name came from. But and I was the, always like, is it a Hedo? Is it a Jetto? A Hedo? And yeah. he's like, yeah, it's a couple different things. Yeah, he, um, he told me actually, like, like, like he told me why he decided to go with the uh, unanglicized version of his last name, and I fully support him. I, I, yeah. I fully support him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, because uh, I, I only first started coming into contact with him via Twitter around the time that he made that change. So that was the name when I first like encountered him. That's how like Ahedo is how I said it in my head with like the the slightly Spanish pronunciation. Mm. And then, mm-hmm. and I didn't know. And then I heard like yeah, Nick that's... talking, and Nick would say like, you know, Jetto. And I was like, wait, what? And I was confused. And then he, you know, came out and clarified it. And we'll we'll put this in the notes right here. Is like, you know, 30, 35 minutes in, we talk about Michael Hedo again. <laughs> talk about this is the third time. This is the third time Mikey's come up on this uh, pod. Third separate time. I it also is, uh, re- and and I still refer to him and his cat as Benny and uh, Jets. And so I asked him, I, I actually asked him, Hey, is, is it okay if I like, t- like refer to you and Benny uh, this way? And he's like, yeah, of course. Like that, 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 that makes perfect sense. That's amazing. But yeah, anyways, those, those dynasty, the dynasty people are incredible to me because you can like ask them like, Hey guys, what do you think about like Joey Cantillo? Who's like, and I only say Joey Cantillo cause I was just cutting him from my dynasty teams, but like, he's like, <laughs> MLB pipelines, like, I don't know, 16th best uh, prospect for the Indians or for Cleveland. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I, I got to get out of saying that. Um, it's so ingrained in my brain and I hate it. Um, it took me forever to start. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. It took me forever to stop saying Isn't that what we do. Like, I know it took me forever to start saying Washington professional football team just because growing up in the DMV. Like there. Well, yeah, I would say Washington. Or just going out of my way to say Washington, because I, growing up with the DMV, you know their team name was just ingrained in my brain. Imagine, uh, even though I'm not a fan. But anyway, so I'm like, you could go up to like Shelly or Andy and just be like, hey, so what do you think of like Joey Cantillo? And like off the brain, they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's an okay pitcher with like you know not that high of a ceiling, and, and you're just like, wait, like he's not even like a top hundred prospect, like. It's incredible the amount of knowledge dynasty people have on prospects. It's mind blowing to me. I can't even imagine how difficult it is to learn all of that and like 
retain it. No, I, I love prospect people. Uh, so on, oh, yeah. on my on, on my podcast, so 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 quick podcast drop. Um, I'm the co-host of the Northside Sox podcast. We'll cut all of this out. Cut all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I run that podcast with um, a good friend of mine, Sam Sherman. Uh, so he's like super extroverted, and he's not afraid to reach out to people and ask them to come on the pod. Um, so we're kind of a tag team in that resort. Like like he's the one that like gets all the the guests, and he's the one that makes all the plans. And and me. I'm, I'm just kind of like over here. I'm, I'm I just offer all the punchlines. Uh, I'm, I'm the one that just kind of like interviews people. Just go like all, <laughs> all shooting off jokes and shit. So he actually uh, asked uh, Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline to co- to to come on our show, and he's oh, like, wow. "Hey, you know what? Like, like the worst he can say is no. Send it right. The answer is always no until you ask." You're right. And then so, yeah, he, he said yes. So, uh, yeah, Jim is a Chicago guy, um, just in encyclopedia of prospect knowledge. And so, uh, yeah, we, we just wanted to ask him what he thought about uh, some of uh, some prospects in the White Sox system and, you know, what can yeah. we expect from uh, the guys we have now and, you know, maybe like prospects that, you know, we should be talking about, but aren't. Uh, so yeah, that was like a wealth of information. So like, yeah, kudos for, to, to Sam for getting, uh, Jim Callis on our show. That, that awesome. was awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of Chicago, you both are Chicago people. <laughs> I have are. never been, I have never been to Chicago. Um, though I want to go. I've heard it's great. Um, then where are you? I'm in Maryland. I, I live oh, just outside makes... of I live just outside of Annapolis. Okay. Uh, and have all of my life. I, I work in DC. Uh, well, I mean, I work from home right now, but uh, <laughs> generally I work in DC. Um, and uh, but yeah, I live just outside of Annapolis. So, but I've never been to Chicago. I, I've always wanted to go. So, we have a handful of Chicago questions that actually Zach put together because. Clearly, he was very excited. I, I was so Chicago. excited. Our first episode. So our first episode, we had we had Fast, who is also a Maryland native. And so yes. we, had, we had all this conversation, you know, this Maryland stuff. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah. so like I got I got to get a Chicago <laughs> one on here so we can so we can shoot. Oh, the totally. There. I mean, th- um, there's one there's one topic that Chicagoans love to talk about, and it's Chicago. So it, like I'm mm-hmm. like you don't know how incredibly excited I am right now. Like my, my face is all heated up. Like I see, see there's like some color in my cheeks, and that's not just from the alcohol. Well, that, the, that's just I, <laughs> Chicago is actually that's a good lead into to, to a can check because I saw this what I'm drinking right now. I saw yeah. this. I was at Benny's earlier, and I couldn't pass it up. Um, let me know if you can see it or not. But it's a oh, is that spiteful? Yeah, Mrs. Spiteful O'Leary's to Mrs. O'Leary's chocolate milk stout. It's got the uh, the cow Ooh. that kicked over the lantern that started yeah. the Great Chicago Fire. That's an excellent beer. I, I've had that before. You've had that. It's good. I like spiteful stuff. Yeah. What have so you got? Mine, mine is a little less uh, sexy. Uh, so uh, I, I'm currently it's a, it's dealing. It's a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's a Bud Light seltzer. Uh, actually, no, it's it's closer. I'm dealing with some food allergies right now, uh, so I have to stay away from gluten. So I am drinking a Flying Embers watermelon chili. Watermelon chili. Hard seltzer. Uh, oh, watermelon chili. Uh, there's uh, vitamin C and there's also probiotics in here too, you know, so I'm getting nice. that, good, that good gut bacteria while at the same yeah. time, you know, getting a good buzz. So <laughs> Perfect. I, I will, I will return to beer sometime soon. So as soon as whatever I, I have passes. I, w- I wonder then. at what point in the development process of that, they were like, you know, 
No, more probiotics. Let's get the probiotics in there. I like, also want to know at what point. I also want to know at what point someone was just like, you know what two flavors we need to mix together? <laughs> the people are calling for watermelon chili. <laughs> they yeah, need I, it, man. Is it good? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So I, I, I got, I brought a second uh, just so I wouldn't have to awkwardly run to my fridge in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> uh, so I, I planned ahead. I planned ahead here. This Perfect. one is a guava jalapeno. Oh, so these are uh, all like yeah. pepper themed. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of like a sweet and heat that, that that's kind of the theme of the, the seltzer pack. Uh, so, so there's like a mm. fruit alongside some sort of spice of some kind. Um, but yeah, these, these are pretty decent. Uh, I got them at Benny's. Um, yeah, big fan of Benny's. Big um, fan of Benny's. <laughs> what is this? If, is this a liquor store? Yes. Yeah. It, I, it, it I'm, not, is. I'm not. I'm not. This is not a rhetorical question. Is it actually just a Chicago chain, or do they have them? I think so. Yeah. Um. So the one I went to yesterday uh, is in Lincolnwood, and I think that's where their corporate location is. Uh, and I, and I mentioned this because as I was walking in, there was like a more formal kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, th- this is Benny's headquarters. And so I, when I was walking in the actual store, I was like, oh, shit, this is like the mothership Benny's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like these, right? These motherfuckers are going to have all sorts of stuff. They got the <laughs> like, there's. Stuff. According to Wikipedia, there are 44 locations, which explains why there were enough to give me the impression that it might be a national thing, but they are all concentrated in northern Illinois and the Springfield area. So, yeah, that, that, that uh, makes yeah, a lot of sense. Great liquor store, though. Great liquor store. There is about uh, three, three within like a 10 minute driving distance of me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, big fan. And they Cheers. also like sell, yeah, they, they sell CBD drinks too. Uh, oh, they've oh, got their checkout cool. lines, right. like the, the impulse buys they have at their checkout lines are incredible. They've got like, you know, all Matcha of the little popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> all of those Garrett's things. They've popcorn. got the mini, they've got the, man, I haven't had Garrett's in a hot second, but, um, like all of the hangover cures and stuff like that mm-hmm. and all these assortment packs it's 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 great it's great what, i'm ben, like i'm like <laughs> well, well, no go ahead good i was gonna ask what you were drinking but go go ahead. oh i've got sure. i i just i feel like kel's character in good burger where i'm like uh-huh i know some of those <laughs> words like <laughs> <laughs> no, i i don't i don't have a can i made myself a boulevardier uh, oh fancy okay okay oh, yeah i know it up. sounds <laughs> it sounds so fancy. It is not. It is. Um, it's a really good uh, mixed drink that um, a friend of mine introduced me to. I love bourbon. And um, a friend of mine was like, let me make you a Boulevardier. And I was like, what is that? He said, oh, it's a uh, it's bourbon and sweet vermouth. And um, usually you would use Campari, but I use Aperol instead of Campari. Uh, it's Aperol's a little sweeter, I think, and it's delicious. Uh, I, I do ratios a little differently than your standard. Uh, usually you do like one and a half bourbon, one ounce uh, Aperol, one ounce vermouth. I do two ounces bourbon, half an ounce Aperol, half an ounce sweet vermouth. And uh, tastes great. It's a great drink. Boulevardier, man, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's delicious. Uh, I'm, I, I'm impressed. Yeah, I don't. Impressive. I don't think I've had like a mixed drink in months. Um, just mainly because I've I, always wanted to like get into them to try and like like make like I don't know like uh you know like an old fashioned. Old fashions are good. Mm-hmm, um, they are. or to like you know get into like these fancy like you know James Bond drinks, and <laughs> um, and and I so I got a cocktail set for Christmas, uh, and I got this 
amazing book that details like a billion different drink recipes. I always thought that would be fun. Like have someone have people over to be like, yay, you want something fancy and I can mix something together. And it's like this fancy tasting drink or something like that. So, but yeah, no shout out to shout out to my friend, Alex, who uh, <laughs> introduced me to Boulevardier and is excellent. It was his idea to use Aperol instead of Campari as well. And it's great. But, um, Anyways, so so Chicago Chicago stuff, yeah, strongly <laughs> recommend. You guys should try it. Um, yes. I, so I so I would like to ask, as somebody who's never been to Chicago, and as somebody who would like to go to Chicago, what is something? So you know, if I go to Chicago, there's a, there's obviously some obvious touristy things that I can do. Have you what ever been to the things- Bean? Have you seen the Bean? <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen the Bean uh, online. Uh, but is there a story behind that? Like, I don't know. Is there a reason that this, there's just I this still metal bean? All of these years, I still don't get it. To <laughs> be completely so honest, it, it, it's I, just something cool that you could take selfies in. Yeah, that, that's all it really is. It's just the weirdest thing. But like, what like is you just something... walk up to it and and you just stare and you like it's sort of like <laughs> staring into the abyss and the abyss stares back just, at you. Yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. That, that, that's like the closest I can. Yeah. I just want to know if you're surrounded like... by a bunch of yuppies from Waukegan in for the weekend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. None of, none of that made sense. Um, <laughs> no, I just, that's I, what I'm here for. This is my wa- moment. Waukegan. One shining place. Moment. That's, that's a made up Waukegan. That's a made up summer camp in an eighties movie. That's not a place. Uh, I'm sure it is, but I, I just want to know, like, what was the decision making? Like, like we need a piece of art on this block. What are you thinking? What if we did like a large metal bean and like nobody was like, no, Dave, that's a stupid idea. Uh, well, who's going to want a large metal? <laughs> I it's don't just, know. It's, it, it, it's just something for tourists to stare at. Yeah. It's called Cloudgate. Yeah. yeah Cloudgate is, either, is the legal name of the That's the name. Cloudgate? It's a. Yeah. <laughs> wait. Art, oh, man. wait. Is it supposed to be a cloud and not a bean? Yeah. Is that and, what it is? <laughs> come and find out <laughs> i yeah, don't know i don't know so, <laughs> but anyways that's how I, they I get you to visit that, yeah. that's how they get you to visit they're sort yeah. of like wait a minute but but i heard it looked like a bean but it's called that's, cloud you know what you know what that's what it is it's like that that jane lynch mean was like i'm gonna make a piece of art so stupid <laughs> everybody's gonna come talk about it yeah like they were just like we're gonna go for the dumbest thing possible and everyone's gonna be talking about it but aside from seeing the bean what is something that uh a native chicagoan would recommend to somebody to to do who's never been to chicago before while you're in chicago you got to do this and it's not like see the sears tower hmm that's a great question because that, that's actually where my mind went was to go to the observation deck on the Sears Tower. Because, oh, which sounds yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, they have uh, these little uh, boxes that poke out uh, with uh, glass floors. Yep. Nope. Nope. So, nope, nope, yeah. nope. 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 I'm <laughs> terrified of heights. So that's I did. I did that at the CN Tower in Toronto. Yeah. Which, I did that uh, as well. Yeah. Nope. Nope, nope. I hate. I I learned I was afraid of heights when I went to the Empire State Building, and uh, we went up top. And I looked over and was like, "Nope, I hate this. I feel sick. I hate it." And yeah, from then on, I've realized I hate heights. So I think I'll pass on that part of the observation because <laughs> I think I'll pass out and die. But aside from that, yes. Yeah, so aside from like the touristy things of Chicago, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, you know, get get a Chicago deep dish pizza. You know, I don't feel like waiting an hour for my pizza. But uh, aside from the touristy things, what would you recommend? Goodness. Um, the one thing that I've been really wanting to do lately and I don't know if it's just like months of just being holed up in my house, like just pandemic isolation. Like, man, I really want to go to the zoo. I want to go see some, I want to go see some animals. Is there a good zoo in Chicago? Does Chicago? There is. Come to Lincoln park. It it is not only is it a good zoo, but it is a free zoo. So you do not have to pay any money to get in the zoo. You just literally walk right in. Yeah. It's like DC zoos like that. Precisely. Yeah. You just walk in and you see some rhinos. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm all just like, I'm, I'm talking about this. Like this is like some sort of like just past time where now like the earth is scorched and there's like no more rhinos. And... <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, what- yeah. I, I saw a tweet the other day that was really funny. It said like, just, yo, zoos are fucked up. Why is there a giraffe in Chicago? well like so you mentioned lincoln park like is is lincoln park nice is it cool what is it like i so when i hear lincoln park i think of baltimore's lincoln park which is actually leakin park but everyone pronounces it lincoln park and it's where all the bodies are usually hidden uh when when people are murdered that they usually hide bodies Mm -hmm. in lincoln park uh because there's poor lighting and lots of isolated areas. So whenever I hear Lincoln Park, I, I kind of recoil a little bit. I'm like, oh, God, right. that sounds scary. Um, um, but yeah. what is Lincoln Park in Chicago? Chicago's Lincoln Park is essentially your your, your quintessential yuppie neighborhood. Uh, it's been greatly gentrified. Oh. Um, funny you should mention bodies, because I do know that Lincoln Park used to be used as a potter's field uh, during the, the 1918 uh, oh, flu, flu mm. uh, pandemic. So, uh, yeah, to this day, uh, if construction crews are digging uh, in Lincoln Park, sometimes they will find human remains. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I did That's an extensive crazy. amount of reading on this in college. Um, so there are some baseball fields that are in Lincoln Park. They're, they're, they're like four baseball diamonds that are kind of facing one another. And oh, apparently, okay. the, the, yeah, the, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Zach. The, the, I've they, played on those fields. Yeah. yeah. So they actually found the greatest concentration of human bodies, like right underneath those fields. That's wild. So, so think about that next time you're playing baseball there. Oh, God. Thank goodness those days are over. But don't like, like oh. that. I yeah, don't like yeah. that at all. Cursed. So. So, so your recommendation is go visit the haunted park. (laughs) Go, go, yes, go go visit the haunted zoo. Like, 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 like go, go see some seals, uh, and then uh, I like it. Yeah, go ahead and you know play catch uh, in in one of the baseball fields. Maybe a ghost will come and join you. That would be be cool. Maybe, maybe it'll be Shoeless Joe. Uh, maybe it'll be shoeless Joe. Maybe it'll just be like a Stin Park High School student. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could be either it's, one. It's kind of a 50-50 yeah. shot. Um, so what what would be like a what's a local food place in Chicago that like you gotta go like not Ooh. not a not a actually I can't even think of like a you gotta go there kind of Chicago food yeah. place, but like a local hole in the wall restaurant where you're like they're the best. I, I'm not going to talk about pizza because I feel as if like pizza is the first sure, thing no, I get it. anyone yeah. goes goes for. Um, but I'm just going to think about like what makes 
Chicago, Chicago besides pizza. So the first thing that comes to mind um, are birria tacos. Hmm. So uh, I actually haven't had any birria tacos. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. Um, but I, I've never heard of it before, so I cannot correct you. You could say so anything. Zach, you might know what I'm talking about. Uh, but there is a place on uh, 47th and Pulaski uh, called Birria Zaragoza. So it's it's essentially like goat. It, it, like it, it's a, it, essentially that's what it is. Um, and uh, the best way I can describe it. Um, it's been so long since I've had any of these tacos. So I, I think like I'm due to have some tacos. You get some tacos and they give you kind of like this, uh, this a uh, French like dip that you, that, that you dip the tacos in. Um, it's, it's, it's like a broth essentially. And it's, it's just so incredibly good. Um, that sounds uh, fantastic. I've never tried that, but I'm putting it on my list now. You said 47th yeah. and Pulaski word. Yeah, so a, it's, it's it's a little north of Archer and Pulaski. Um, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I said 47th. Yeah. Uh, That's I, I around it's yeah. around that area. I used to date a girl who lived out there and it was a you know what? whole asshole. Speaking, speaking of food in Chicago, I have a bone to pick with you Chicago monsters and oh, no. the way you have just absolutely manipulated and destroyed the hot dog. What? Because Ooh. listen, uh, listen to me. Listen uh, to me. A whole little pickle spear. Does not belong in a hot dog. You don't like ketchup on hot dogs. I'm fine with the onions. I'm cool with the mustard. Even the peppers sound delightful. But a pickle spear and and no ketchup, just just monstrous. I you know what? Even just the pickle spear and celery salt. I mean, what is this? That is not a hot dog. That's that's some kind of exactly. It's a meal. It's a meal. It's, right. Exactly. Hot dog. It's, 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 it's meant to without- be. <laughs> a, a, like a full course meal and the ketchup belongs on your potatoes. So you That's get your fries, fine, but also mm. on the hot dog. Like just, I don't know. Every time I, I have, I, every time I've read what a Chicago style hot dog is to any of my friends, they've all been like, Oh God, what? Like that. What? <laughs> I assume a really you, you do sound like there, you're dude. like, like pro Chicago style hot dogs. I, I absolutely am pro Chicago style hot dog. Like, so, I mean, we're my official stance on the whole, ketchup on hot dogs thing is like I think it's perfectly acceptable to put ketchup on a hot dog but just not on a Chicago style hot dog so oh yeah I wouldn't want ketchup on like a pickle but again a whole (laughs) dill pickle spear that's just so much pickle so let me reframe it this way let me reframe it this way so you're like it's 1932 in Chicago you know you're out looking for work because there's no jobs you know you find some you know street sweeping or whatever for like you know you make 20 cents in the day and you're going back and you know you need to eat but it's the depression so you have no money but you're on maxwell street and there's a guy and he's selling not just the wieners but he puts a pickle on top and the tomatoes and the relish and all that other stuff and you're getting a meal you're getting a full-ass meal on that hot salad. Dog right there right it's literally right. a salad it's like there you're is getting utility. Your, your vegetable there's, servings right exactly. there just yeah, because exactly. we were desperate enough to do it in the depression doesn't mean that we need to keep doing it. People, people, people ate dog food in the depression. That's why fun fact. That's why dog food is uh, safe for human consumption. Even to this day, 
because a lot of people ate dog food during the depression and died. It's a false and equivalency so right there. FDA, Good thing we FDA learned to take it. care of our citizens. But after I'm that, just, right? I'm just saying, an entire just the <laughs> dill pickle spear. I can't get Jesus. over it. It's, I don't know, I, Ben. Th- th- this kind of makes me want a hot dog, honestly. <laughs> It's too much, man. It's ten fourteen right now. Too much, man. Too much. Like too much. Deliver. Who can deliver a Chicago style hot dog to me? Yeah. Right now. I'm not going to ask about pizza though. I did. I did have a thing about pizza on there though. But but to the effect of not asking about deep dish. But I want you to talk about how the misconception again that deep dish is like all we have here. When we say people think I've I've talked to people who think that in Chicago when you say let's get pizza. They, that we mean deep dish that we just casually order deep dish where we're getting like takeout or something like that or you know but right. no so i talk about if we're going to talk about pizza if we don't have to talk about that again because you said you don't want to but i was going to say like let's extol the virtues of the tavern cut of the thin crust you know oh yeah t- tavern the, cut is absolutely is... like king in my opinion <laughs> Um, so I I do admit that when I lived away from Chicago, like, like anytime I would come back, I I would absolutely like crave the deep dish. Like, like I was like, yes, like I miss home. Like, it's very rare that I'm back home. Like, like, like give me some like just greasy ass, just like cheese loaded (laughs) deep dish. But, um, it's definitely, I admit that it's a lot. Uh, It's definitely too much. Uh, It's, it's something that I would consider a sometimes food. Uh, I, I I honestly think deep dish is okay. Right. I don't hate it. I don't think it's trash or anything, but I, I do not go out of my way to eat it. It's like, but no, no. Ta- yeah. Tavern cut is so perfect though. Mm-hmm. I, I love tavern cut so much. Um, you're right. Just the toppings too. I, I really love just, especially a nice saucy tavern cut. Um, jardinera is probably my favorite uh, topping on a tavern cut. I don't pizza. think I've ever had jardinera on pizza. Yeah. Uh, so the mag- the magic is garlic. Uh, jardinera and sausage those are my 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 favorite toppings right there i can reckon and for those yeah. those listening <laughs> chef's kiss mm-hmm. and for those listening at home and for ben in front of my face right now tavern cut is the uh when it's just cut into squares so you don't do like the oh uh, yeah, 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 the, yeah you know the triangular cut or whatever so there is a lot you just like there is a place in maryland called Lido's, which is the best pizza and it's a it's a Maryland chain, and they are square pizza. Yeah, uh, they don't the, call yeah. it tavern cut, but I'm I'm familiar with square pizza. So, like the thing that people always get me when I tell them about it is a lot of people are like, well, like those middle pieces where there's no crust. They're like shocked at the idea that you pick up a little like square piece of pizza with no crust. Yeah, like, yeah, it it can it. be <laughs> it can be kind of annoying when so we'll get Lido. There's a Lido's across the street from my house, and it's just it's the best pizza. It's they have this really sweet pizza sauce it's great but yeah when you get like the middle pieces it can be a little greasy and stuff but it's not difficult to eat like it's not but the middle pieces also chill very well so Mm -hmm. i also do Mm -hmm. like i'm a big cold pizza fan too uh, but i I do also realize that you know some pizzas chill better than others so Mm. i feel as if a, a nice saucy tavern cut is definitely going to make for some excellent cold pizza that's a good point that's a very yeah. good point. Very good point. So I will say, Zach, go ahead and vomit out the rest of your Chicago stuff. Real I, quick. I've got to. And, and then we will pivot to baseball. <laughs> and then we'll finally get to baseball yeah. on the baseball yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite Herald's location? Ooh, man. Also, what does this mean? 
This is I've been dying to ask this question. Like I've been fantasizing about asking this question since before I had a podcast. It's Harold's is fried chicken and it's the best and it's and it has mild sauce on it. it yes. And you could get hot sauce, but like you know, um, it's it's just a local fried chicken joint that's native to the south side of Chicago and it's incredible. And the thing is, there's a ton of different locations, but each there's no like standard recipe. So each location does something just a little bit differently, whether it's the sauce or the breading or you know, any number of little things. That's They're all a little bit different. Yeah. So, I, I've, he- I've heard of people traveling to specific Herald's locations to get, um, or to get their <laughs> preferred uh, Herald's location. Uh, so truth be told, I've only been to like three Herald's locations, uh, which I, I know there's like, so, like a far, there, there, there's a, a vast amount of Herald's uh, in the Chicago area. So I've only been to the Evanston one, uh, mm-hmm. That is Ooh, the, the one on on Howard. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, my f- probably the best one I've been to is the one in, in the South Loop. Oh yes, yes, on in kind of Chinatown there around yeah. Whitworth. Yeah, yeah, right. So I was there, there the other week. There used to be a Herald's in Madison, Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. What? Uh, it, it was the only Herald's I believe in all of Wisconsin. And so like, like when I moved there, I was like, Oh, Mercy. they got Herald's here. <laughs> all right. And so I, I got their chicken and I was underwhelmed by it. Um, so, so, so definitely. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, so actually, I, I don't know if maybe it was so bad that the Herald's removed their branding off the ch- uh, the chicken place, but it, it's no longer a Herald's. It, it's, it's like something else now. Oh, so, man, I yeah. can tell you about that. There were counterfeit Herald's. There were a bunch of them that uh, oh, yeah. I, used, I used to work for the food supply company that made all of the bags and like products and stuff like that. Yeah, and apparently there, yeah. there were just a bunch of restaurants that were just doing the Herald stuff and like putting Herald's up in there, but they had nothing to do with i wonder if this was one of them i wonder if this was one of them man uh yeah so 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 if anyone's listening that (laughs) lives on the the west side of madison wisconsin uh that uh that herald's location that's right in front of the woodman's uh, not not that great so i'm i'm curious because you've mentioned a few places that you've lived are you originally from where are you originally from i guess i was gonna say are you originally from chicago but i am yeah you are okay i I am originally from chicago yes so you you grew up in the city and everything i did yeah i grew up in the city uh i've only lived in like two other places than chicago Mm, So um, I'll talk about how much I move around a lot, um, just mainly because the time I lived away from Chicago was probably the time I followed uh, the White Sox the least because I was like so incredibly physically detached and also emotionally detached from the team as well. But also keep in mind, this was like 2012 through 2016. (laughs) Right, exactly. Zach knows. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Eh." Right. It was kind of like on the cusp of like the the Ventura years where like, like no one really wants to remember any of that. Uh, So yeah, I'll talk about it. And like, honestly, then like my baseball fandom was more so like going to minor league games. So like like going to like Round Rock Express games, going to San Antonio missions games, uh, going to like Madison Mallard's games. Uh, But at the same time, it it was a strange time because I almost like forgot I was a White Sox fan 
if that makes any sense. But, but of course, too, like anytime I would meet someone in Wisconsin and they would learn that I was from Chicago, they, they'd automatically assume like, you Cubs fan. And I'm like, hell no, hell no. <laughs> oh, Lord, I get, can I relate to that? I would get so offended. I would, I would just be like, like, hell no, I'm not a Cubs fan. But, but no one was like, oh, yeah, well, name name like the starting rotation right this moment. And, and I probably would not be able to do that. I wouldn't <laughs> be able to do that right now because like I no mean, one 20, wants to remember any of that. If anyone in 2015 could like name the 2015 White Sox rotation, they probably had a problem because there were some bad pitchers in that rotation on <laughs> those teams. Was that back when yeah. you guys had uh, was that back when you made the James Shields trade? Yep. So, <laughs> I love that, that. Look again. You're looking at an Orioles fan. We traded Jake Arrieta, and he won a Cy Young the next year. I get it. <laughs> we I, I trade, feel do you right, remember who? Right. You know who we traded him for? Can you? Even I do. I remember I, very well. I, Scott, I Scott, Scott Feldman. Feldman. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah, <laughs> he was a starting God. pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, and we got Scott Feldman and some pit, some catcher. Strope. It was uh, uh, no. We Strope we quick. sent Pedro Strope over there. Right, and he was filthy. <laughs> he was cops. great. He was. Yeah, he was he absolutely was. Yeah. Um. No. We. Uh, yeah. We we sent Arietta and Strope over there, and we got Scott Feldman and uh, uh, what was his name? Steve Clevenger, uh, catcher. Oh, that dude. <laughs> yeah, that oh, dude who was our backup catcher. Yeah, and Feldman pitched for uh, us for like a year. It was great. And then Arietta goes and wins a Cy Young and then trashes the Orioles in Sports Illustrated and is just profiled everywhere as like the guy who like revived his career and all this and just and he kept trashing Baltimore fairly, to be honest, because Baltimore was <laughs> well, just he's mess. also a jerk as like on a human he's level. He seems jerk, like yes. a pretty big jerk. Um, yeah, I don't he, know yeah. about you, Janice, but like, does your phone every time, does your phone blow up every time Fernando Tatis Jr. does something <laughs> with people being like, ha, huh, how about that Fernando Tatis Jr. guy? Uh, not really. Not <laughs> really. Maybe that just says um, more about my, my, my baseball watching friends, but. It was Tatis <laughs> and who else for Shields? Like it was, was, it wasn't straight up, was it? I don't think it was. I I can't I remember it, who else was was sent oh, over. It was um Eric Johnson, I think, was the other one. Oh, former okay. like yeah, quadruple A nobody. Um, well, hey, at we least you be a big deal. But, at you least know. you got Lucas Giolito, right? Right. Right. Yeah, we, we that worked flipped. out for Adam Eaton. Whatever. Right. And now time is a flat circle because Adam Eaton is <laughs> back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, we talk, and, we'll talk about this one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and, and Tony LaRusse is going to bat him lead off or whatever. Yes. Second, I think. Second, second, second. second. Yeah, yeah. LaRusse yes. is going to bat him second instead of like a good hitter. Um, oh, also, <laughs> while we're on the topic of the White Sox, is Eloy as unathletic as he looks? Do do you think Eloy is a bad athlete? Because <laughs> when he when he when he runs around in the outfield, I don't know. Maybe oh. I just maybe I just think of that play that I tweeted out a gif yeah. of the uh, um, last of, year of, of him getting caught in the net. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like we did the inside of the park home run. I was watching that game live. And I see this and I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta tweet this out. This is hilarious. I'm like Eloy running, like, oh no, the net. <laughs> I remember just... that too. And um, yeah, yes. at the time I was like, okay, uh, good for Yelich <laughs> because like he he was slumping just horribly around that yeah, time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, yeah, Eloy uh, just just looks like ass out there. Um, <laughs> I love but... that video so much because he just it's just this comedy of error. Like, it's not like he's even running that fast. It's just, <laughs> it's no. just this like Mr. Magoo incident where he's just like, oh no, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, it's no secret. He's like an ass defender. Like he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's just like, like, can't so like, bad. De- defend. <laughs> it's to the point where Luis, uh, Robert actually like runs and like steals catches joke. from him. Like, like, it's a running gag. Like he's done it several times over the year. And then Aloy will just kind of stand there looking mad. And, like, like, At I, least he I, hits. <laughs> yeah, at least he hits. And I, I'm not sure if it's a bit. I'm not sure if Aloy is like pretending to be mad or, or if he if he's like seriously upset that Luis is doing this. I that's that just it just See, makes me laugh so much. The former baseball player in me says, like, if you're mad about that happening, then be a better fielder and don't let that happen. Right. But, right, right. Yeah, it yeah. Maybe bad. maybe don't look like Eloy does out in the outfield. I don't like think he's like, I don't think he cares though. He, I, like, I don't just, think so either. He, like he he he's a pretty funny guy. Like he had he does have a sense of humor. So I I don't think he's upset by it. Like well, but to answer your question, I, yeah, he is just kind of that clumsy. <laughs> not. I mean, I was watching literally their game just yesterday, and somebody somebody hit a double to the wall, and it was you know runners and sco- like someone was in scoring position, so there was a runner coming around, and you could just see like the way Eloy kind of awkwardly has to angle himself into the wall to pick up the ball, and it's just like you're just a really really large human. <laughs> like, <laughs> with, it's a little bit slow but he's uh he's he might be my favorite player in the game so i now that oh, we are really? talking now that we are talking about baseball i mean i have had yeah. this jersey of his like hanging over my back shoulder i, I see our, it yeah, yeah last, i've been looking uh, at it oh you know what there was <laughs> there was also speaking of white Sox hitters there was this white Sox hitter oh I, I wish i could remember his name i'm gonna look him up that i was like all in on oh oh daniel palka Oh my god! Oh, really? I was oh, Hulkamania. dude. You were you were I was all so in. I was so in on him. I was pumping him hard into the in the off season two years ago, like as a sleeper. I drafted him in like every league with my last pick. I was Good like, this guy's this guy's gonna be the best. And then like just and nothing. Then he wasn't. He just he just like deflate he 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 and like he entered the next season with all of the fanfare of like a deflating balloon he was just like like, over 25 to start the year it was just like his his entire season was just like like just and and then he went over to to the kbo and he got injured right or or something yeah yeah like like, just just last year like he was uh replacing tyler saladino weirdly (sighs) enough another former white Sox greek oh man (laughs) i had i had him um in my bold predictions let's see was it 2018 or 2019 it was like i i was so in on polka (laughs) that um he uh let's see which no it wasn't 20 it was here we go in 20 2019 bold predictions daniel polka hits at least 35 home runs that is bold i'm looking like i'm looking at his stat line from the 2018 season too and so i went to a whole lot of games that summer because that was the summer that i graduated college so i was off like not really doing anything all summer and the socks were terrible so i spent like four months just you know buying nine dollar tickets and then winding up right behind the dugout and Reasonably Polka, so. yeah 
you know, all 300 of us in the ballpark. And <laughs> Kalka is one of the physically like largest, like his muscles. I've never seen biceps in a Jersey, like Daniel Palka's up close. He was Dude, one of he... just the most yoked looking individuals I've ever seen. And I'm looking at the stat line now. Cause I thought like, how could you think he was good? And I see like he hit 27 homers that year. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I will just remember no, thinking, like he's, he's the definition of a dude that would just close his eyes and swing hard. 2018. He posted a 14.4% barrel rate, which was good for 13th best in baseball. And he posted a 49.2% hard hit rate, 16th best in baseball. The dude crushed the ball when he hit it. He and that's why contact. I was like, well, he just, he was, he was a, not even a three true outcome hitter. He was a two true outcome hitter, yeah. home run or strikeout. Mm -hmm, uh, right. He didn't even walk. But that's why. And of course, like I preface this by saying these are bold predictions. And Nick has a different definition of bold predictions than a lot of people do. <laughs> Nick mm -hmm. wants, Nick says if like three of your bold predictions come true, they're not bold enough. Like he wants yes. you, he wants us to write bold predictions articles that are like insane, well, like out there. Just oh, like, like, like totally oh, like, yeah. I mean, like I had, um, uh, you know, some of the ones like, you know, I had 20, I'm looking at my 2019 bold predictions. <laughs> ah, 2019 as a T Oscar Hernandez leads the league in home runs. I was so, I was like a year off of T Oscar Hernandez breakout. I love him too, but like Someone I had like you, yeah yeah I had like Trevor Richards is a top twenty pitcher like <laughs> Chris Davis is a top ten first baseman oh god yes. someone so gave me a, a a pretty good bold prediction today on Twitter uh, someone said that they think that Nick Madrigal could potentially take the batting title uh, without homering. I saw that too. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. He, I think it's possible. He yeah. could hit for a high average for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like he makes contact. Uh, he does it a lot on two strikes too. And it, it's yeah. all the, just, just these like hard hit line drive singles. I, I wrote an article actually last summer. One of my early, early articles for pitcher list was called um, Nick Madrigal hits a single up the middle. Oh, and nice. It's basically I, I just go out. through. Yeah. And I was I was really tired of people just hating on him. It's like, oh, uh, barrels. He doesn't hit the ball hard. I'm like, I know that's not the point. He just hits singles up the middle and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. He's a beautiful, beautiful hitter. Do we know uh, also trivia time? This might be an easy one. This might not. I don't know. Do we know the only player in big league history to win a batting title without a home run? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. In 1972, playing for the Minnesota Twins, Rod Carew led the oh, majors and hitting with no home runs. Whoa! That and that's okay. the only time that has ever happened. So let's make it. Let's make it two. I guess it's possible. It's yeah, definitely I mean, possible. We, we might as well make history with Nick Madrigal. He, he could do it. Well, do while it. we're talking, while we're talking about baseball, um, the question we ask all of our guests, and I and I want to ask it to you as well: What is it about baseball? that draws you in uh, what are some of your earliest memories with baseball uh what is it all the sports out there why is it that baseball is the one that you love the one that you follow the one that you write about what is it about that sport that draws you in yeah absolutely uh, so i get a lot of my baseball fandom uh, from my mother I, I i do have to admit so uh, my mom uh, is an immigrant from the Philippines. And so one of the ways that she kind of helped herself integrate into American culture, kind of like, um, like immerse herself into a lot of what Americans did was to watch baseball games. 
And so as a result, like she's big into regionalism. Uh, so uh, we lived on the South side. She still lives on the South side. So she's like, we live on the South side. We're White Sox fans. The end. End of story. And so I was like, okay, cool, fine. So a lot of like my formative years were spent watching my mom like repeat Hawk Harrelson's phrases. So like to this day, <laughs> to this day, like if um, in baseball, if someone hits a pop-up, like she'll call it a can of corn. Or if someone strikes out, she'll go, he gone. Or like hang woofum. Like it, it's Wait, absolutely hilarious this, that she does this. Is this a commentator? Yeah, uh, Hawk Harrelson Hawk is a Harrelson, long- Are you not familiar? I, I'm familiar with the name. I thought it was a commentator, but I wanted to verify yeah. that. He, he's he's I... a fairly controversial, longtime Sox broadcaster. Um, I love that he had weird turns. We've got a guy, a uh, Orioles commentator legend, who had bizarre phrases he would say. Yeah. This guy, Chuck Thompson, mm-hmm. he would say things like, I don't know. Someone would hit a home run and he'd be like, ain't the beer cold tonight or, and (laughs) okay, Chuck. Or he would say, um, God, one of his things that he was like really excited to be like, go to war, Miss Agnes. And (laughs) he was just like this old dude who was just saying weird things. And like all of Baltimore was like, yeah, go to war, Miss Agnes. Like no one knows what that means. I'd say Hawk Hawk is crankier than that by the end. As much as like, I grew up loving, I don't know about you, Janice, but like I grew up Mm -hmm. loving Hawk as a kid, but then at a certain point around, I want to say it was around like 2011, 2012, maybe like when they, after the world series, when they started to get a little less competitive, once they were bad and he got older, it was definitely cranky. A lot of, yeah. Especially if someone was being thrown out of the game or if there was a call, they're just like, this is BS. This is absolute BS. (laughs) And there's, yeah. And a lot of, uh, like a lot of things at the time, I probably wouldn't have recognized them as like dog whistles or other, you know, questionable stuff that he has a, he has a habit of, of saying sometimes, oh, yeah. but, uh, but, like, but like, he... as a, as a kid, like that, that completely <laughs> flies over your head. You're, you're just like, Oh, like, man, like this shit is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the weird things about, you know, it, he's iconic. It is what it is. It's uh right problematic in many ways, but no, he's incredibly, he's incredibly iconic. And that's, I, that's a great story. Cause I feel like there's, I feel like there's probably ton, like hundreds and hundreds of people who kind of grew into baseball, grew into their fandom the same way. Like Hawk Harrelson probably is such a distinctive part of somebody I can imagine, you know, coming here from another country and trying to, you know, pick up the culture and try to, you know, move, move your life forward and like, you know, start a life in a new place. And that's something that would really stick with you. And really, um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a fun thought. Who are the, who are the local White Sox commentators now? Like who are are uh, your, the very beloved uh, Jason Benetti. And then, Oh, uh, that is Benetti. Yeah. 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 Oh God. I knew that. I knew that. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Benetti's great. Yeah, Benetti oh. had some some big shoes to fill. So so essentially, yeah, yeah. Benetti was was replacing a Hawk Harrelson, mm-hmm. and so uh, he huh. he's been a breath of fresh air. Like I I, I love oh, him. Yeah, yeah, he he's, is. He's, oh. he's, it's and I so, think um, yeah. Nick Pollock himself was like uh, he he's he's basically like the the Mister Rogers of baseball. <laughs> Yeah, so much fun. And it's yeah. uh, it's so the dynamic is so much better too because you could the funny thing about Hawk was by the last few years like he and Steve Stone who was to answer your question the other analyst Hawk Harrelson and Steve Stone very clearly hated each other. Like, there was yeah, it was yeah, not I a mystery. That. It was not a secret. They were like <laughs> on opposite sides of the booth. They really didn't like each other at all. And the broadcast really did I think get a lot better when Benetti showed up and like it was a lot more jovial and they like definitely. Got along and, um, 
They get along well, and there's also just this huge age gap between them two. Uh, and, and they recognize it, too, that, that they're both from very gener- generationally different eras of baseball. But it still works so incredibly well because there's just this mutual understanding of one another. It's so nice to have good local commentators. Like in the DMV, we have uh, two uh, different I, – I just two – ends of the of that perspective like the nationals commentators are not great like they're they're really bad who are they um the color guy is fp santangelo um who's a former catcher mlb catcher i I forget who the play-by-play guy is but they're just not great but the orioles had unfortunately past tense because mid-atlantic sports network let him go but we had gary thorne the greatest Sports like play-by-play guy in history, Gary Thorne, and uh, and Jim Palmer, the Oriole, former mm-hmm. Orioles pitcher, um, and that team was just brilliant. I mean, just Gary Thorne's the best. I I love Gary Thorne's always drinking every game. Like, I don't know if he <laughs> actually is, but he definitely is. And like by the seventh or eighth inning, Gary Thorne's a little tipsy and he gets a little goofy. And he and Jim Palmer are clearly like best friends. And so they're just like talking and getting goofy and like giggling with each other. And it's the best. And unfortunately, Masson let Gary Thorne go. So we've oh. still got a couple good guys, but I, yeah, it's don't even get me started on that. It's Mas- <laughs> you know what? Masson has not aired a single Oriole spring training game and will. What? Yeah. They said they're not that, going. We thought we had a bad. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. God. Like, like, like I. Whole, oh. I get pissed off when like one spring training game is not aired, but to have none Masson's, of them aired. Masson's yeah. just not airing them. And uh, they fi- they let go a whole bunch of staff, like a whole bunch of long time. We used to have um, Rick Dempsey, who was a big guy in Baltimore. He was a catcher on the Orioles 83 World Series team. He used to do a uh, be part of a pregame show. They had this guy, Jim Hunter, who was a play-by-play guy. Obviously, Gary Thorne. Um, all these guys all let go. They said, now our pregame show is just 15 minutes before the game. That's it. Not We used to have like a whole half-hour pregame show. Now it's just a 15-minute like quick thing that's going to be done by the play-by-play guy and the color commentator. And uh, no post-game show. And just... And they all said it was because of money issues, but like they're owned by Peter Angelos, who owns the Orioles, who is a billionaire. Um, he's got he's got that asbestos lawsuit money. And uh, what? Oh yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You have to clarify that for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, Give me the backstory here. <laughs> the yeah. asbestos building story. Lots of buildings in Maryland has had asbestos in them, uh, which caused uh, a lot of cases of cancer. Specifically and, uh, mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. <laughs> yes. And um, Peter Angelos made his money as a lawyer um, fighting for, you know, companies that put asbestos in buildings on behalf of mesothelioma patients. And, so he uh, is like those commercials, basically. He is, oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you Still, to this day, yes. If you or a loved one has mesothelioma, yeah, absolutely. That was Peter Angelos, and he wow. made billions. I, he is literally wow. a billionaire. Off of uh, asbestos uh, lawsuits, and uh, and plenty. I mean, he owns his own law firm, so plenty others. But yeah, like he is literally. I mean, his his children run the team now because Peter Angelos is like ninety something. But um, still, the Angelos family are billionaires, and they're like, we got to cut everybody from Masson 
because I don't know we didn't have a lot of money last year. I'm like, I yeah, just, that sounds it, it makes like me bullshit. so mad. It makes yeah. me so mad. I just, I love this team and I hate so much about this team too. <laughs> I mean, I'm you, just you, yeah, I am. You would think that a stronger media outreach would. I mean, like one. You would like, think oh. There's there's even this whole fight that the Angelos family is having. So the Angelos family owns Masson, but then the Nationals came to town, and the Nationals wanted to broadcast their games, and they said, "Well, we'll broadcast on Masson." Well, that became a whole thing. Well, who gets the revenue? Do the Orioles get the revenue from Masson? How do the Orioles and the Nationals share Masson? And that is still a lawsuit that's like going on to this day about who gets the revenue from Masson and the Orioles, the Angelos family is like just trying to rip all the money from the nationals. And it's just, it's awful. It's so bad. (laughs) It's so awful, but it's been going on for years. That lawsuit's been going on for years. Um, But nationals and Orioles games are both broadcast on Masson. Um, There's two Masson stations. And so they flip around, but it's, it's just a whole mess, but yeah, I uh, all of Orioles Twitter was just aghast when Gary Thorne got fired because he's just a dream of a human I, being. He's the best. But anyways, so <laughs> you got a lot of your baseball love from your mother. Um, yeah, so what yeah. is it after as a kid? I'm assuming you're watching a lot of White Sox games. And is uh, where is it? When is it? That you kind of come of the age where you're like, you decide you're into baseball yourself. Like, what is it about the sport that kind of drew you in and keeps drawing you into this day? It was definitely the consistency of being able to tune into games. Uh, It was just something that was always available after school. Uh, I just turn on the baseball game, like do my homework, kind of zone out. And uh, yeah, and that's when I got to know a lot of uh, those uh, early, those early White Sox players. So like my, my first White Sox team was probably the 1993 White Sox. So we're talking about, yeah, uh, Frank Thomas, um, uh, Jack McDowell, uh, trying to think of who else. I think, I think Wilson Alvarez was on that team. Mm-hmm. Alex um, Fernandez. That Alex rotation. Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, th- that, that rotation, like, um, and before that, like, I just had like no con- concept of what a good baseball team was. I had no concept of what a baseball team was in general. Uh, and so the first full season of me watching baseball had like my favorite team, uh, with, with my guy winning the Cy Young award. So I thought that was super cool. Oh yeah. And Frank Thomas winning the MVP as well. Um, I think that was definitely like something that was etched into my brain, like forever that, okay. Yeah. Frank Thomas is going to be like my, my favorite baseball player now, like all because of this. Uh, so yeah, that essentially just carried on all throughout childhood. Like I was always known as, you know, the kid that was like really obsessed with the White Sox. Like I just started like, uh, like diving into all of these teams. Um, it was something that I could watch with my family. Uh, and yeah, uh, just even looking through a lot of some of my old scrapbooks and a lot of the old things I used to make as a kid. Um, I don't know. This is like the first time I've ever openly admitted this to anyone, but like 
Like I, I had like a weird obsession with Roberto Alomar for some reason. And so I actually made Orioles Robert- legend, Roberto Alomar. Yeah, yes. there you go. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like he joined the team. I can't remember what year, but, but it was essentially uh, to join his brother, Sandy, who was the catcher at the time. I want to say it was like 2003. Yeah. 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 2003, 2004. And so like, yeah, I was like absolutely obsessed with him. I, I thought he was the greatest thing ever. Um, I'm not exactly sure why he was kind of at the tail end end of his career um it it was just like hey i get that i had the same feeling when jim tomey joined the orioles for uh i guess yeah white Sox legend jim tomey uh or i guess it was really the ghost of jim tomey that joined the orioles (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of like the ghost of like ken griffey jr joining the white Sox, or yeah that's uh, what i was about to say that's what i it's interesting that you mentioned that too because those around that time was like my what 93 would have been for you like around 0304 would have been for me and getting really i remember hearing like yeah roberto alomar like carl everett I thought like I heard those guys were good. And my dad explained to me, like by the time Ken Griffey Jr. came around, you understand that it's like, oh, they get all of, you know, Kenny, Kenny Williams always gets his guy, you know, at the very, very end of his yeah, career. Yeah. Roberto Alomar. Oh, and, Orioles uh, did that too. We had, uh, we have, we currently have the ghost of Felix Hernandez. That's oh, true. Um, yeah. I, I love, I love Felix. I love him too. Um, I, I'm so I, happy he's on the team. I am uh, too. Yeah. But I mean, we, we had Derek Lee uh, at the end of his oh, career. Really? We signed Jim Tomey. Right. We had uh, Orioles right. legend Sammy Sosa uh, wow. <laughs> for, a, for a year. We had um, uh, Orioles legend Johan Santana, who uh, wow. never made it out of the minors. We had Dontrell Willis, uh, who never made it out of the minors at the end of his career. Orioles are really good at signing uh, like s- stars that are on the verge of baseball death. Uh, it's kind of like the one thing that the Orioles and the White Sox have in common, like signing, <laughs> signing baseball stars that are like, yep. like ready to go Out towards there. baseball death. Oh. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But anyway, I, I had a Roberto Alomar scrapbook. Like I, I would like look at like I love articles that. from like magazines and the newspaper, and I would just like cut them out and just like like, like put them in this scrapbook. I, I, I thought I thought he was neat. So. <laughs> That's that's, that's adorable. Great. How old were you when you were doing a scrapbook? I was like maybe 15, 16. Nice. That's so, I would have loved if you'd be like, it was like 28. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like especially in like the mid-teens, you're sort of at the age where it might be pure. It might be considered pure. Yeah, but like, yeah. like kind of on the borderline of like, ooh, what is she really doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> 15, that's, that's still adorable that you had a Roberto Alomar scrapbook. I love that. <laughs> I, I saw a tweet yesterday or sometime recently that pointed out that there was a time in the early 90s when the White Sox had Frank Thomas, Bo Jackson, and Sammy Sosa all on the same team at the same time. Wait, Sam, uh, this is uh, this is news to me that Sammy Sosa was on the White Sox? Sammy yeah, Sosa was, came up was. with the White Sox, yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And that's, man, that's, that's a thought. So, uh... <laughs> So another question I had for you. So some people, whether they follow you on Twitter or are listening to this podcast or have seen you do other stuff, might not know this. This might be new. Um, but rumor has it that you were at Lucas Giolito's no hitter. Um, yeah, th- th- that that is a big rumor. Big, yeah, not many people know this. But so yes, is it true? I, uh, <laughs> big if true. Big if true. The rumors are true. I was at Lucas Giolito's no hitter. I was present 
You heard it here first. <laughs> so what I'm most curious about that, um, other than like, I'm sure you've talked about the experience like ad nauseum. What were, oops. Here's my credential. Here's my oh, I love it. Yeah. Ah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to keep it. I was at I was at Burley's Perfect Game, and I still have the. Uh, I still nice. I see it back here. I have yeah, frames. Well, Scorecard and ticket is framed right below the uh, the Illoy jersey. I got I'm to gonna... watch the Orioles lose to the Rangers thirty to three, and I didn't keep anything <laughs> from that except a sense of shame. <laughs> so, I was going to ask. You can't get that autographed. No, I cannot. And, and you... guess what? That was game one of a doubleheader, and I stayed for game two, and they lost that game too. <laughs> wow! Wow! The thirty to three game was quite an experience because. There was a point in like probably the seventh or eighth inning after like the eighth home run was hit, uh, where all of Baltimore, like in or every Orioles fan in the stadium, was just like, maybe we can throw a strike, and like when a strike was thrown, the stadium erupted. You're just like, oh my god, someone threw a strike instead of a ball. It was the funniest thing. Everybody, the entire stadium gave up by like the eighth inning and it was almost like sarcastically cheering. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. It Bronx was cheering. everybody. Oh, everybody was so salty. We we're just like, Oh my God, we made a routine out. This is incredible. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was rough. What an experience. Car is absolutely on the floor. <laughs> the there. other, other end of the spectrum. <laughs> so what I wanted to ask about the no hitter though, is because usually I feel like what, Everyone talks about how weird it was not being, not having fans. Yeah. I'm curious, what was the reaction of like folks in the press box? Because you were covering it for Southside Hit then. Um, I was, yeah. So you're up there with all the other writers, you know, doing, doing your thing kind of. And these are mostly professional, like they are, you are all professionals. That's why you're there. Uh, have seen, I, I'm guessing most of them have probably seen a no hitter before you go to enough games. So I'm curious what the kind of conversation was, was like as that was going on. Because I remember I was, I think, 13 going to Burley's perfect game and it's I'm in the crowd and you can feel them and right. it's like a, but it's a totally yeah. different thing so I'm really curious what the conversation was like as it was going on up there with the pros yeah absolutely uh so to preface I actually wasn't supposed to be at this game uh so uh, we have a team of about or we had a team of about uh three beat writers it was uh, myself uh my north side Sox co-host Sam Sherman uh, uh, James Fox, who is another writer at Southside Hit Pen, uh, and uh, Tommy Barbie uh, is, is the other one. And um, uh, and yeah, so we essentially, uh, this was supposed to be Sam's game. Sam was supposed to cover it all by himself. Uh, essentially, he was going to do a pregame column, a postgame column, a video to wrap up. Boom, that's it. So uh, the White Sox were actually gracious enough uh, because a lot of the uh, games that there wouldn't be as much of a credential demand. Uh, so the Pirates were one of them. Uh, so the White Sox actually uh, gave us a second credential. And so uh, my editor, Brett Valentini, was like, hey, does anyone else want to uh, go to this game on August 25th? Um, it, it would be 
uh, an additional credential to the person already covering the game. And so at the time, like I already knew that this was going to be a hot commodity. Like I, I knew that I had an ends and I needed to take advantage of it as much as I could because like I have this way to get into the ballpark to watch the game on my own. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like after this, say, like I could tell this story to like my grandchildren mm -hmm. and great grandchildren that I watched pandemic baseball. Like, like, like that's Mercy. cool. Uh, so I, I took the assignment. I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to uh, just put off all my plans for the rest of the evening. Like, give me that extra credential. I'm totally there. So uh, it was given to me. Uh, so that was actually the first time that Sam and I met in person. Uh, so like, like, like we knew each other. Like we had been friends online for quite some time. Um, and so I, I consider him like my White Sox bestie. Like, like, like he's the person that I can like tell all of my super hot takes to. And like, you know, he, he's he's not going to pass any judgment to me. Like he's always just going to be fair um it, it's it, it's always a safe space with sam like I, I could tell sam like oh well i think your mean mercedes should like uh play shortstop sometime <laughs> like, like, like like something far crazy i would like love that. to see that actually, <laughs> actually that. yeah actually i would love to see that too but you know at face value it's nuts it's, it's completely crazy <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was the first time I had met Sam in person. So sitting in the press box, uh, you've got all of these other kind of hardened professionals. Uh, so you've got like your beat writer. So you've got uh, Scott Merkin, who's the MLB White Sox beat writer. Super cool, super awesome guy. Uh, you've got James Fegan from The Athletic. You've also got coverage from all of the local uh, Chicago papers. Um, so Daryl Van Scowen, uh, Lamont Pope, um, and you've also got uh, some of the media from the pirates as well. Uh, so there was like a handful of pirates media present, but, but there wasn't really a lot. So the press box, uh, in the era of COVID, uh, was socially distant. So essentially you're given your own section and each person is seated, uh, every other row. So you've got a pretty good distance between yourself and the writer in front of you. And there's also room for a writer in back as well. Uh, so uh, when the game was happening, it was honestly kind of a bizarre game because, uh, yeah, there was a some sort of circuit break and the power right. actually went right. out like halfway through the game. And so uh, the game the, the game didn't stop, though. They were still playing. Uh, uh, so there was a period where like no one saw what was going on. I think it lasted for about a half of an inning. Uh, so the first thing I noticed was like, oh, the Wi-Fi is out like like. I, I can't tweet. I can't do shit here. And so I look back at Sam and I'm like, Hey, is the Wi-Fi out for you? And then like, he's like, yeah, it is. And so he fires up his, his personal hotspot or whatever on his phone. And I'm like, I, I should have done that too. Uh, and then I look at my phone and realize that my phone like actually doesn't have like a hotspot plan. So like, like that plans out the window. So I'll, I'm basically scrambling and like trying to get my computer to, to connect back to, to the Wi-Fi. I'm like looking to see if there's like a like a free Xfinity like mobile hotspot that I can connect to. No dice. Like so I'm, I'm like shot of luck here. So um, a representative from the White Sox actually walked past us and she's like, hey, just so you know, uh, the Wi-Fi is restarting we should be able to get connectivity back pretty soon uh just hang tight everybody and at the same time like there's still a game being played and like i'm barely paying attention to the game and so 
uh, like, I'm like, oh shit, it's also my duty to keep everyone updated on what's going on. Right. And so I'm all like tweeting, trying to tweet to like what's happening. I'm like, Hey, there's a power outage. I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. We're just, we're just waiting for things to come back. Uh, but anyway, I think, uh, Jose Abreu just hit a double and then someone yelled at me. They're like, no, it was actually, uh, Aloya Menes just hit that double. And I'm like, stop yelling at me. I'm trying my best here. it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, the whole power outage was, was just really a bizarre thing. Um, and, and at the same time, like none of us had no idea that a no hitter was going on. Uh, so I think it really became apparent around the seventh inning where, um, I already kind of knew, uh, just because usually I like to have my game recap, like all nice with a bow on it, like at least written uh, around the the eighth inning. So therefore, you know, um, I have a general just what happened. Uh, I generally know like what the pitching lines were. Uh, but I really had to think like, do I really want to pre-write a no hitter? So, I mean, like, like this is all private. It, it's just a secret between me and my laptop. So, so if I keep on writing and say like, like Lucas Giolito makes history by, by no hitting the pirates. So, I mean, if I, if I type that out and say, for instance, like, I don't know, like Cole Tucker or whatever, like gets a line drive single off of him and like completely just like parts it up. Like I, 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 I would take personal responsibility. For that. Yeah, you like, definitely would jinx no, it. Oh, I ruined <laughs> it. Oh God, no. Um. So, so yeah. So I decided, like, out of everyone's best interest, to not pre-write my game recap until everything was over and done with. But, but anyway, um, Sam is like sitting like right behind me. He's he's like over here. And so around the seventh inning, I kind of look at him and when I'm like, you know, you're, are, are you seeing this shit? Like, just, just kind of looking for that validation because otherwise, I mean, if I was watching with, with friends, of course, I mean, I, I'd be able to like, you know, look at my friend right next to me and just kind of be unspoken and just be like, like, this is happening, right? It's like, yeah, it's happening, but we don't talk about it. Like, like we, we, we just experience it as is. Isn't that so funny, though? Because, like, there's, like, this whole unwritten rule where it's, like, you don't talk about a no-hitter. But at the same time, like, the MLB app has, like, a red thing yeah. on the store. It's like, <laughs> no-hitter alert. Well, and then, you like, you get a push it. notification from, like, ESPN and the MLB app. And they're just like there's a no hitter through seven yeah, innings. Course. And then like Dude. the commentators are like, and Lucas Giolito retires the side and that's seven. No, <laughs> hit innings. you want to talk about Hawk Harrelson though. Hawk Harrelson, <laughs> iconic calls. One of the most iconic calls he ever did was screaming at the entire Chicagoland area that Mark Burley has a perfect game going into the ninth inning. Call your sons, call your daughters, call your yeah. sons, call your daughters, or yeah. or even better, like say if, if someone breaks up a no hitter, you know, you can cancel the post game show. The, when, I say that to my friends which, all the time; they don't get it. I mean, the, the, that makes no sense because the post game show would happen like regardless whether <laughs> whether or not that, that was a no hitter. So I never really understood that hawkism. It's like wait, it's like why talk- why would you have a post game show? Something worth talking about. It wasn't no hitter. Right, like, exactly. Like like, like no just, no hitter. Like, I, like, I just like, love no. that like there's this thing that's like you don't talk about the no hitter. I'm like, yeah, but everybody Ooh. talks about the no hitter. <laughs> Let me tell you. So I, I mentioned that I was at I was at Burley's perfect game. So I my family was there. I'm actually I'm gonna talk about this on Noah Scott's pod uh sometime next week in in length, so that'll be fun. But so my mom was working, she was teaching i think on that day um it was a sunday so i don't know what she was teaching but uh she she came late it was about the 
fifth inning or so when she walked in and she walks into her section section and she sits down. It's like, Oh, you know, Hey, what's going on? And she looks up at the scoreboard and she says like really, really loud. One of those moments where it's like loud, but you just know that everyone, the entire section around us here said, Oh, he hasn't given up any hits yet. And I'm like 13 years old. I'm, if I could have like killed my mom with a look, I probably would have at that point. No hitter. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it worked out though, clearly. So, and maybe so, we are so, making much ado over nothing. <laughs> it's so it's so goofy, but so with Giolito's no hitter, what like? So this is probably what seventh, eighth inning where you're kind of like looking around, like oh, this is kind of happening, or is it is it later? Or do they really have a poker face until the end, or like you know what's? <laughs> well, we we. Once we got over the power outage, it was it was just sort of like okay, uh, so we're, we're back on track here. Uh, yeah, looks like we've got a no hitter going. Uh, but no, like the the press box was otherwise silent. Like no one was talking about it. It, it was like crickets. Uh, so it was it was just basically me and Sam just like looking at each other and just going. <laughs> And texting, so, uh, texting eyes emojis to people yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I was actually uh, texting uh, a Michael Ahedo like the entire time. And, he, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't remember what we were talking about, but like he had no idea I was at the game. <laughs> and then he, he, I think he might have texted me like, hey, like, like, do you see like what Lucas Giolito is doing right now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm at the ballpark. <laughs> And, and, and he's like, he's like, holy shit! <laughs> and, and, and then, then he's like, okay, you know what? Like, like, text me like afterwards when you're done. Like, I'll, I'll, right, I'll still right, be right, here. Right. Like, hey, like. So, so I, I did my, I, I wrote up my article, and um, it, it, it's really interesting, like doing beat reporting, just because, like, you, especially when you're covering such a historic event, you want to give it justice. You want to treat it with. Um, a lot of courtesy and a lot of respect and a lot of admiration. But at the same time, um, I really wanted to like kind of uh, address him as a person and just be like, hey, like not only did Lucas Giolito do this really like awesome thing, like he's also a really good person in real life too. Uh, so I threw a lot of that in there. Uh, it was very emotional. It, it was very uh, just like, uh, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but just like a lot of emotions just kind of hit me all at once. Uh, just being able to witness the no hitter and also to just being there in person and just knowing that like in the scope of this global pandemic, like none of my friends could be there uh, that uh, yeah, even like the greater scope of baseball fans would, would never be able to be there too. So I just kind of felt this like combination, just like duty and responsibility that I had to report this event to, I guess, like my highest ability possible. So, uh, yeah, it was honestly like one of the, the nights I will remember for like the rest of my life. <laughs> that's, that's so wild. That's, that's an yeah. amazing experience. And then, then, then the next day, I had to just like like go into my day job, like, like nothing, like nothing, <laughs> like nothing happened. happened. <laughs> right. And That's so, um, my boss at the time, 
uh, like the, is a Cubs fan. And so like he, he knew that I write about the White Sox on the side. And so like other than some like general playful banter, like he would always just ask me like, oh, what are the White Sox doing? <laughs> uh, and then I, I walk in the next day and I'm like, yeah, uh, so uh, just casually, like I was at Lucas Giolito's no hitter and he's like, get out, no way. He's like, why are you here? Like, you should have called off. Like, why are, <laughs> are, aren't you supposed to be hungover? And I'm like, and I'm like, no, I, I, I was working. Like, I, I was working, Ryan. Like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh my god. So, as as someone who is, you know, has been in the press box a handful of times, um, or however many times, I don't want to assume it's been a lot or a little. Uh, uh, <laughs> As uh, what kind of I'm curious because we had we had a writer um, we've had a couple writers have maybe just one at Pitcher List who uh, has has done the press box at two games. He did one where he had an interview set up, and um, this is uh, Ian Post. He doesn't really write for us much anymore, but uh, he's one of the Pitcher List OGs from way back. The very first player interview we ever had was with uh, Jacob Faria of, of the Rays. Hmm. And Ian did uh, the interview and he had, you know, the interview set up, went to the game, did the press box. But then he went to another game, uh, a Giants game where he went to the press box. He did not have an interview set up. And I remember him telling me uh, that if you ever go to the press box, uh, know what you're doing beforehand. Because he said the Giants game for him was super awkward because he was just kind of there. Like he was, he was planning on writing an article about the game, but you know, he went to the locker room. He had a couple, he got um, kind of blown off by Lance Lynn. Cause Lance, Lance Lynn gave him a whole bunch of like one word answers. Ugh. He was like trying to ask him thoughtful questions. And Lance Lynn was like having none of it. Um, Ugh, he, he, he played me the audio and, and Lance Lynn was just like, yeah, like just like a bunch of yes or no answers. And and to Ian's credit, he was trying to ask him about like different approaches he was giving to pitching. And <laughs> Lanson was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but <laughs> but I he, he gave me some interesting like I, what I thought was pretty valuable advice. So I would so I'm curious for you. Do you have kind of the same perspective that he did? Uh, or what? What is? What advice would you give to somebody who's going into the press box for the first time? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. In the sense that uh, I, I really don't know what reporting is like uh, pre-pandemic. I only know pandemic mm. reporting. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've never visited the clubhouse. I've never like gone up to guys like, and and, and I've heard stories too. A, a good friend of mine uh, was a beat reporter, a Cat Garcia, and she she would tell me stories about how, yeah, I used to walk up to guys and they'd be like just butt ass naked, uh, and <laughs> you know, it, it's all good. Like like no one gives a shit. It's like human nudity is just completely normalized and acceptable. Um, but I, I could see like I I, I don't. Like hypothetically, if I were to walk in and just saw like Luis Robert just like, <laughs> like butt ass naked, like, even though like I don't know, I I I don't have eyes for him, but like like if I just saw him nude walking around, <laughs> I, I, I would just I would be a little frazzled. I, I would sure like, sure right yeah because I, I was not expecting to see a naked man just let, let alone <laughs> Luis Robert, you know, just right right in front of me. 
Uh, so uh, yeah, pandemic reporting is a little bit different, just mainly because every everything's done via Zoom. Um, it is almost kind of like a weird Zen-like uh, sound, especially because uh, you've got your opposing team's reporter right in front of you. So uh, sometimes, you know, you can eavesdrop on, you know, that press conference. Uh, so uh, this past season, uh, Tim Anderson really just put a, a complete beating on the Tigers, just like Tim Anderson's a huge Tiger killer. <laughs> and so uh not to not to bring this guy down but there was a tigers writer who was just like like just cussing at every hit that tim got <laughs> and like I, I honestly thought it was hilarious like he would say things like oh this first guy wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, like he'd say things like oh, i can't believe this first. i can't believe this again god okay. uh j- just like his his frustration was while relatable uh, at the same time was just objectively hilarious Funny, yeah. as, as someone who cheers for the opposing team as someone who genu- genuinely like loves tim anderson um so yeah it's really interesting kind of eavesdrop on those conversations and then uh, yeah a lot of like the tigers post game conferences where like you could hear the reporters asking like uh yeah so uh yeah so uh, uh uh, Tarek Skubal's debut did not really go as planned. Uh, so, 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 what do you think might have caused that? And of course, you know the answer is Tim Anderson. Uh, <laughs> so, all I, Tim Anderson's fault. <laughs> I think, like especially in the uh, the the post and pre pandemic uh, reporting ages, I, I don't think I would have been able to get that much insight on the opposing team and kind of like what like what what's going through like their minds. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, like everything's done through Zoom. It's all very organized. Uh, you just simply click the button uh, to wait your turn to a- to ask your little question. Uh, it's all very, you know, organized, like, like, like first you get like Rick Renteria and then, you know, it's like Lucas Giolito and then it's James McCann. Yes. Like RIP. <laughs> RIP Rick, Rick Renteria. Renteria. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So like, especially during the no hitter, uh, yeah, uh, I, w- I was able to get, uh, some McCann, uh, snippets, uh, and some Giolito snippets too. And, I was able to write two separate pieces uh, regarding uh, like that that time as well. It's mainly because uh, they were very complementary of one another. Um, like Lucas really wanted to uh, talk about uh, how James McCann called an excellent game for him, and how a lot of like pitch sequencing really um, uh, really accomplished or helped helped accomplish the no hitter. Um, uh, so like looking back at, at that. Uh, you know, I, I would like to do that one day again, uh, just mainly because, yeah, uh, we lost our uh, credentials with uh, Sports Illustrated fairly recently. Uh, so, yeah, may- maybe one day we'll do that again. May- maybe one day I will be back in the press box for some other entity. Yeah. But, yeah, th- that was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I think I think the fact that I see Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated right underneath my name is is just wild to me. It's it's just sort of like a dang I made it mo- type moment. That was such a load of crap. I really hated they did that. That was so disappointing. What, Renteria? 
no with um, sports <laughs> illustrated sorry oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, i mean that was disappointing too but um i yeah. get it though i i get it um just basically they they were trying out something new uh they had never done team specific sites before so essentially this was sort of like an experiment so i believe as of right now they still have their dodgers and yankees site and of course you know the whole concept is that you know those two teams are bringing in revenue so that that's why they're sticking around so that's the whole model is i completely i completely get it though (laughs) yeah so well we are on two hours already so i'm gonna ask you one more one more guaranteed rate specific question one more white specific question because i every i like am having to restrain myself from pulling this off into like a white socks discussion every every 15 seconds or so but uh that's tomorrow zach that's 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 tomorrow so uh (laughs) and so i guess this is two questions so first is what do you call guaranteed rate field in your head because I don't like it. Still sounds really weird. I still say the cell. Sometimes I say Sox Park, and I'm curious, like what? If you're just saying like off the cuff, record, like, oh, I'm going to the game. Guaranteed oh, yeah. rate field is like the worst name. Oh, we for know. A ball. Oh, we know. We, we, oh, we, we know. know. We're well aware. It's, it's, it's so like, bad. Yeah. So bad. It'd be bad. It's like worse than Smoothie King Arena. I think it's it's like even. <laughs> yeah, it's the down, It's the red arrow pointing down that really, really, Just really gets guaranteed <laughs> rate field. So I, I don't. I don't even give a shit that guaranteed rate is a Chicago-based company. It's, yeah. That's so. What do you call it? I'm just like, what do you think to yourself? I'm I like, just call it Sox Park. Okay. And I mean, like in all of my articles, like in in anything that's like legally facing, I have to say guaranteed rate field, mm-hmm. which I think is like like so fucking lame. So like even in my Brewers article, I I had to say American Family Field, like even oh, though like, no. like, like like in my head I was like Miller Park, Miller That's Park. That's so Park. sad. That was such I a good one. I keep forgetting they trade they they That's changed so that too because that was like the only them in like Coors Field's like the only sponsorship thing that actually like makes sense and is still right. local and like yeah. uh, that's just disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah, the team that's named after making beer, uh, the stadium is named after a, a brewery, like like a macro Absolutely. brewery. Yeah, <laughs> but let alone like like still like it's beer related. So. Such a shame. There, um, there so will my, be my... there will be a large riot in Baltimore if Oriole Park at Camden Yards is ever changed. Like, I mean, like I read, they I will burn down the stadium. Compromise. <laughs> <laughs> Camden so, Yards will get burned down if they ever like change. <laughs> um. So, Sox Park, the cell, GRF. However, you might know it. Uh, is known. I. It's one of the most underrated places in the big leagues to watch to watch a game in general. But it has great food. Um, people don't know this that I think I don't remember what publication it was a year or two ago that actually named what was at the time U.S. Cellular Field as like the best ballpark food in the country, like arena food, like period, like all four mm-hmm. sports. So, good. so, so do good. you do you have any favorites on the concourse? Any specialties oh, my that you go for? Yes, uh, probably my favorite a ballpark dish is probably the loaded baked potato mm. and uh like this baked potato is just like chef's kiss it, it, it's like it, it's, it's like not even a puny potato it is a big ass potato they, they like went to idaho and found the biggest just juicy <laughs> potato split this shit open and they just load it with whatever you want but there's like 
Uh, they've got all sorts of toppings. You can do like sour cream, bacon. Uh, you can do like pulled pork too. Uh, you can do uh, shredded cheese. Uh, you, you can even do broccoli as well if you're like you're like going healthy, you know. Um, or, <laughs> you a loaded baked yeah. potato in a ballpark yeah. when we're going healthy here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but just the way it's presented to you too. It, it's like also too when if it's like a fairly cold day, cause you know, um, in May, like Chicago can still be a little chilly, like, especially if you're in the 500 level, you're hitting those high winds. So there, there's like nothing more satisfying than just like this piping hot baked potato, just like cradling in your hands. And, oh my God, I'm just thinking about that potato right now. Um, my, my, other, my other food pick so there's a stand on the 100 level that is essentially just like loaded fries. Um, yeah, they, they've got like different styles of loaded fries. So there's like a, a Greek fries. Uh, so your fries are topped with uh, Euro meat, uh, tzatziki sauce, uh, some other fixings that I can't remember, but but it's still like just like that sounds it's, fantastic. It's like a gyro, you know. It's like a gyro yeah. over fries, basically. Essentially, yeah, it, it's it's essentially a gyro, but like just like topped over French fries. I that is gyro gyro. That's how you're pronouncing it. Yeah, gyro gyro. So gyro gyro. I've always just said hero. I've always just called it Which a Which is valid, but like I always got that confused when I was well, when I was living on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, like I would always get confused when people different. would say hero, like a sub. Yeah. But Yiro Hero. I guess it could go either way. Yiro is the very, the very Greek. Oh, way. I'm sure that's probably more correct. I, I just well, yeah, I used I to work for it. some I used to work for some Greek folks up here who had like had me doing they had me writing like touristy posts for their like Greek vacation homes. And I learned apparently that Yiro meet the usual the kind of standard stuff you see in like street carts was actually invented in chicago wow yeah that's so awesome so that's why i was taught at a very young age like in first or second grade that it was hero hero and it's stuck in my head for like a really long time and i guess i don't know so it's it's a thing that comes up every time i say it but yeah, totally. So baked potato, gyro flop fries. Uh, they also do like buffalo chicken fries. I, I don't like those as much as the gyro fries, mm -hmm. though. Uh, the one thing that I, I like half recommend, and so what what I mean by half recommend is that like definitely share this with like a like a bunch of friends, uh, vaccinated friends, like post Rona. <laughs> um, they actually do like sweet potato fries that are loaded with like whipped cream and chocolate sauce and pecans. I've never seen that. Where's that at? Yeah, it's at the same stand, at the same stand. Really? Yeah, so out of just morbid curiosity, because like I'm used to more savory sweet potato fries, like, but I was like, like, like we top these fries with a bunch of sweet shit. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'll try it. I'll try it. It was just too much for me, though. Way too much. Sweet potato fries. This is this is my food hot take. Sweet potato fries are an abomination. They are disgusting. No, they're no, they're so not. Gross. They're so gross. Sweet potato fries. I tried. So I tried to tell them. It's like the third time this has come up to. Yeah, I, I hate them <laughs> so much. I also hate sweet potatoes. Period. Uh, because give me a regular potato. I don't want. I don't want sweet potato. I'm gonna regular old <laughs> French fries, man. I I know I'm in the minority, and that's totally okay. I get it, but you haven't had these sweet potato fries yet, obviously. Yet, guaranteed. Clearly not with I... with toasted almonds and whatever that all the sweet stuff. Yeah, like, like chocolate sauce and whipped cream. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, 
So they get creative though. <laughs> they get very like creative there. So we're going to uh, we'll pivot away from baseball to the last little section um, where we just have a whole bunch of random stuff, but it's fun. Um, we're going to start with the order of operations trifecta in which we are going to ask you which of these things you do in what order. And first, I want to ask you, when you get dressed, socks or pants first? Pants. Thank you. This Ooh, is correct. I was afraid we were about to, like two episodes in a row, I really got put on the spot by socks <laughs> first people. So Yeah, we've had, we've had, a, we've had a good handful of socks first people. I'm trying to think of a, like a context where socks first might be. I guess like maybe if I was wearing long socks and I really wanted like uh, the socks to go underneath like really tight pants, like like leggings, that's probably the only context in which I can think I might want to put my socks on first. But uh, other than that, it's always pants first. Okay. That makes sense. That is absolutely correct. Thank you. (laughs) So second one out of three is uh, milk and cereal, which comes first. Hmm. You know what? Like, I'm not really a milk and cereal person. Uh, Do you eat dry cereal? No, I, I don't. Oh, man, I was about all. to get excited because, like, I only eat dry cereal. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I used to though. I, I used to eat milk and cereal, but I'm trying to remember like what I did first. Um, I, I probably did the cereal first. That's like the normal thing. Yeah, that's, that's what most people do. So we thought. So we thought. Until well, we started so we, asking a lot of people. <laughs> well, I feel like so far Jake was the only one who said well, milk before cereal. Everyone else well, wasn't. Kinda... Didn't Ahedo said he thought he saw like the merits of it. Oh, like, he yeah, kind of yeah, was. Yeah. He was kind of waffling a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm, I <laughs> I will say that I think Jake's defense. This is uh, Jake Seely, who we had on the podcast a while back. Um, I think Jake's defense of um, milk before cereal makes sense, but I also would not do it. <laughs> I think it makes sense for like if you're looking for a very certain thing out of out of cereal. But before we get to yeah, we to we've med- gotten way in the weeds on that in like every episode. But, I'm um, planning. I'm going to do a super cut after like ten episodes of everyone just giving yeah. their hot takes about yeah on local for cereal. cereal. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. Uh, the last one uh, when you brush your teeth, water, toothpaste. What order does that go in? Uh, yeah, so toothpaste goes on the toothbrush, and then I wet the toothbrush with the toothpaste on it. Okay. Interesting. You don't wet the toothbrush first and then put the toothpaste no. on it? No. I, I think don't. that's that's more acceptable than just going then like straight raw dog in it with the toothpaste. Yeah, you don't. Like, you that's... never. God, I've, I've seen. Yeah, I've known people who do that. Just put the toothpaste on and go for it. And I'm like, we're going to get someone. One of these days, we're going to get someone who does that, and it's all hell is going to break loose. It's, it's <laughs> like. Yeah, the worst. I, I don't think I have an explanation on why I do that. It, 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 it's just like <laughs> you got to seal the toothpaste onto the toothbrush. That's that's why you do you you do the water after the toothpaste. Got to seal it on there, otherwise that toothpaste is going to go everywhere. It's like, it might fall off the brush. I have an electric toothbrush too, because otherwise, if I hit that button, it's just going to like. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going to go flying. Absolutely. It's go all over the place. Yeah, it's going to go yeah. flying. Um. And by the time episode 30 hits around, people are going to think we're so weird because we have such well-reasoned explanations for all of these things. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Why are you thinking so to, much about toothbrush? Toothpaste, yeah. Yeah. If we make it to episode 30. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we will. Hopefully. before, As long as Nick never listens to this. Um, favorite and least favorite baseball movie? Ooh. All right. 
Um, dang. Maybe I should preface this by saying I honestly have not seen a baseball movie in a while. It okay. has been a long time since I've seen a baseball movie. Um, there's a few answers to this that you might say that are gonna like trigger me hard. So uh, <laughs> Ben has thoughts. Ben we'll has see. Thoughts. I wrote a whole like three thousand word article on baseball movies. So <laughs> yes, oh, I have goodness. some thoughts. Don't oh. say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, no pressure. I guess. Right? <laughs> Uh, I guess I could say that um, I, I watched a League of Their Own again, like a great few choice. Ago. Yeah, and, and and I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was shit. no, I'm kidding. I, it was, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of my trash. Favorites. Yeah, it's, it's like it's trash. <laughs> no, I actually thought it was a really great movie, uh, and it's it, so sweet. It, it, it's held up too. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember liking it when I saw it as a kid and as an adult. Uh, yeah, I, I still, I still liked it. Did you tear up at the end? Like I when did. they all reunited? How can you not? It is just, I, yeah. oh my God. I, I, I rewatched and watched for the first time a whole bunch of baseball movies. Cause I did a, uh, an article on the top 15 baseball movies of all time. And when I rewatched League of Their Own, the first time I watched League of Their Own, it was really special to me because I first watched it with my family in Cooperstown at a wow, hotel. Okay. We were we were up uh, in Cooperstown to see the Hall of Fame, and we were staying at a hotel in Cooperstown. And uh, some channel had two baseball movies going. They had Field of Dreams and then League of Their Own. And I had seen Field of Dreams, but when we saw League of Their Own, it was the first time I saw it. I watched the whole thing with my family in Cooperstown. That was like really, like really special. It was really cool. And then I watched it again, and it's just such a sweet and funny, heartfelt movie. Uh, it's you know that uh, that ending. It does hold up. Like, well. it, yeah, it makes me tear up every time at the end. It's just totally. It's such a nice movie. It is. It really is. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring back professional women's baseball. I, I think that right? that's, that's like just one thing that we need. I, I feel as if like a Chicago women's baseball team is essentially kind of the the thread that would hold the city together. I'd be so. We should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, let Gina Davis play professional women's baseball. That's mm -hmm. what we need. Is Gina Davis, growing. Madonna, right. and Rosie O'Donnell together on the team? Precisely. Yeah, they could be like the top three of the order and then have Ricky Renteria manage the team. Oh my God. I'm just <laughs> imagining Ricky giving the there's no crying in baseball speech right now. And like, <laughs> do, you have a, <laughs> do you have a least favorite baseball movie that you can think of? Um, I don't think I, I necessarily dislike these movies at all, but I did notice that a lot of the baseball movies like in the nineties really antagonized the White Sox. There's some of the, the <laughs> ones I can think of at the top. So I think Little Big League was one yes. of them. Uh Rookie of the Year kind of took some jabs at the White Sox too. I think like like Major League was also like like one of it's them as well. It was funny because the villain in all these movies, I remember thinking the same thing as a kid because the villain, they were always coming, teams were always coming up against the White Sox in the playoffs. Like they had yeah. to beat them or something like that. And I was like, yeah. this is not re realistic. Like, well, what is like, this isn't real life. <laughs> right? Like, why are we the bad guys? We suck. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, exactly. Like, like, essentially, the White Sox were like the, the cinematic punching bag. <laughs> 
of, of the 90s. And I, and, I, and I thought that that was just like a, one, unrealistic, and two, just like, like as a young White Sox fan, just made me like so uncomfortable. I never even, never even really noticed that. That's, that's funny. I'm so glad that you said that. I'd never once like thought that or like said that out loud, but I've definitely thought that in the past, like growing exactly. up. Exactly. Um, like, like, like we, we need a film that like, portrays the white Sox in a positive <laughs> light for once for, real. for absolute for real. once yeah but no, um, like the top of the list like rick renteria managing the chicago professional women's baseball team yes like, oh my goodness I, let me get started on the script right now um yeah I was uh, Donald batting third maybe <laughs> what a sight that would be um so all right, this one has nothing to do with baseball but i didn't get to ask it to a head of last week so uh if you could sit down and have a conversation with any person in human history who would it be and like it doesn't have to be any specific person because like we're not biased towards like you know western modes of history like if you want to talk about i would love to talk with someone who has lived in south america 300 years ago like 3000 years ago that's cool oh too so like God. literally anything anybody literally describe anything. the universe and give examples janice <laughs> that's what we want uh, yeah, um, I want to talk to um, an alien from outer space. <laughs> that, that is who I want to talk to. Uh, just mainly so uh, I can know, like, yeah, um, is, is life sustainable on planets <laughs> other than Earth? And how fast can I get there? Uh, essentially is what I want to know. Uh, but no, um, I, I think a, a realistic answer to that question, like, if not aliens, I mean, like, I, I, I would love to talk to an alien, by the way. <laughs> Okay, if any I mean, that'd be super cool, yeah. From outer space are listening to this podcast and want to talk to me. Like my, my DMs are open. Like, <laughs> slide on in. Like I would love to talk to you. Um see, I don't know. Someone from he- like all of human history. Dang. Um, it's a lot to narrow down. Sometimes it can be just like literally whatever comes to your head. I'm not looking for anything. I don't know. Um I have no idea why, but like my brain is just like still like sticking to baseball. But no, like 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 one person that I just really would love to interview is uh, uh, Tyler Glasnow. <laughs> he seems like a pretty sweet dude. Uh, he does. He he seems like he's really nice. Uh, yeah, and I mean of of every person in human history, you know. <laughs> I think Tyler Glass has a great choice. I want to know about his new slider. Like I, I, I see that he's been throwing it. Um, and I, it's I, valuable I just, information. Yeah, it's also, good. is he the most handsome baseball player in in the MLB? Because I think he is. Objectively, objectively, yes. Um, I, I don't know. It's, to me, he's. I, I feel as if he's a little too textbook good looking. But, <laughs> That's but, fair. I, I I I I do think he's good looking though. I mean, you know, just to get that out of the every way. time I see I him know, in like an interview, like... <laughs> yeah, every time I see him in an interview, I'm just like, God. Yeah, he's a he's a real life Disney prince. It's, yeah. It's, it's... I want to know what hair product he uses. Actually, he actually like... talked about that in another oh, really? podcast that I saw. So apparently, like, it's not like I, I like watch every Tyler <laughs> podcast because I mean, like, maybe I do, you know. But that's just between us and like anyone who listens to this podcast. But he said that he uses like whatever shampoo is available, and he also uses a conditioning oil. Hmm. So. I would love if, like, he has this, you know, he has this great hair, and it's like, what hair product do you use? He's like, I don't know, Pert Plus Two and One. 
Yeah, it's like some three-in-one product. Like, 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 yeah, three, like garbage. Three in one, six ninety-nine at Walgreens. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, I'm very. This is one of my favorite questions to ask, even though we strike out on it constantly. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but have you ever seen a ghost, and or had something happen to you that you couldn't really explain? Just something weird. Uh, no. Fuck, man, <laughs> come on. Fine. Whatever, fine. Uh, Another one, over five. No, 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 we've had a couple good. Uh, like, no. when, when I was a kid, uh, I used to think that I had the ability to control whether or not the street lights would, would come on or not. Uh, I, I was wrong. I, I don't have that ability. Uh, but but you it, don't. It, it, it sounds cool at face value, though. I mean, electrokinesis, right? Like, I, yeah, I, can, man. I can just like and make a light come on. Like the city of Chicago, you can make a whole lot of money that way. I'll tell you. <laughs> Stand yeah, in traffic, be like, you want to go? I can let you go. Yeah, uh, we we had uh, Mikey gave us a great ghost story last time. It was really have... a ghost story, was it? Like, kinda. I'll, I'll give that a half. I'll give that half credit. We'll say half point five out of five. He was. He was a was literally under the covers in his bed and heard footsteps that weren't there i think that's a pretty much a ghost story okay, but he also we asked him and he also at first said no though so he said he didn't because believe he in forgot ghosts. about he said that he didn't story. believe in ghosts though so like where is the that, that's, that's like a textbook ghost story right yeah, that's there. like very literally a ghost story he just had forgotten we we triggered some memories for him like a good therapy session um Oh well, that's okay. Hey, look, at least you weren't you weren't like like both Alex and Nick were just like no. <laughs> like ghost idiot. No. no. Like ghost please. Whatever. One day, I I swear to God, one day we're gonna ask that question. Someone's gonna be like, dude, I've been wanting to tell this story. <laughs> someone's and we're gonna, gonna go be like, absolutely bad. Oh go yeah, bonk. we're gonna lose our minds Finally. if someone's gonna tell this incredible, like I was leaving my body. And just like something like crazy or something. But, oh, well, until then, I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite Muppet? Um, I don't know. Probably, like, I guess the obvious answer would be Janice. That's the obvious answer? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I guess because, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she I get it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It took, it took me a second to make the connection. She, she, she's probably, like, one of the better representatives of, like, fictional characters with my name. Everyone else sucks. I was gonna say, I'm trying to think. What are some of the others out there? There's, there's uh, the one from Friends. Oh, oh, <laughs> we had a conversation about Friends last. A week long conversation so. about why Friends is terrible. It is, yeah, yeah Friends is absolutely <laughs> terrible, and then that's one of the reasons why. So yeah, 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 yeah. She, she's probably, and she also plays guitar too. There's like nothing cooler than that. So. Yeah, man, Janice is cool. No, that's 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 actually a great that's a great pull because you know I mean you know the, the the obvious answer is like Kermit or Fozzie Bear. I do love Fozzie, but no, I like I like Janice. That's that's a good that's a good call. Okay, here's something a little a little upbeat. So we are now more than one year into this global panini, and the pants uh, there's. <laughs> Pancetta. <laughs> Everything the, that starts the with the global poinsettia. <laughs> um, so I, I 
I literally like wouldn't be on this podcast doing all this stuff for Pitcher List if it wasn't for this pandemic and it hadn't given me all this time to do all this other script crap when I lost Worth my job and all this stuff. So, you know, I do think about as crappy as all of this been. There's a lot of things I'm thankful for. So, you know, is there anything that you have grown more appreciative of or thankful for over the past year or so, you know, since uh since our lives have all gone a little a little sideways? That's a great question. Um I definitely feel as if I don't think I've got, I don't think I would have gotten as serious about baseball writing um, if it weren't for the pandemic. Uh, it was probably because of the pandemic that I was actually able to get into an MLB press box, press box this year, which is absolutely unprecedented. Um, if you would have told me like last year that, uh, yeah, that I, I would get credentialed access to attend a major league baseball game. I, I would have told you that you were nuts. Um, but yeah, uh, as like really just incredibly isolating, um, the, the pandemic can be, I mean, like I, I live alone. I haven't really seen any of my friends in like a good year. Um, yeah, uh, I still have managed to develop friendships. Um, I've gotten close to so many people online. Uh, so it really makes me look forward to the future. Um, so like as soon as all of this mess is over, as soon as I'm vaccinated, I, I hope to get vaccinated within the next couple of weeks. Uh, since uh, Illinois announced that everyone uh, in the state over 16 should be able to secure a vaccination, I think, like by mid-April, which That's I think is, said, really, yeah. is really great news. So, yeah, as, as soon as I'm vaccinated, yeah, I, I honestly can't wait to get back out there and just like meet all the people I've been talking to and just like like mm -hmm. developing relations with like over this past year so. Yeah, that that's the good thing that I'm taking out yeah. of all of this. No, that's I love beautiful. That. I totally agree. I've thought I, I'm really I'm actually looking forward to whatever kind of Sox Twitter gathering can get together. Yes, and, uh, exactly. After this is all done, uh, I, I am so looking. I am very that. excited for a. Uh, we usually do a pitcher list meetup, staff meetup every year in uh, in New York City, and uh, obviously we canceled the past one, which was the first one I was finally going to be able to make. So I'm very excited to do a pitchless meetup because we usually will meet up at some bar in Brooklyn, um, where around where Nick lives, uh, and uh, just hang out at a bar and talk baseball and have people, you know, pitcherless fans come by if you know if they're in the area, and it just I can't wait to do that. That's going to be a lot of fun whenever whenever that can happen. Um, I will say yeah. while we're on air here, though. Because I want this on the record. If I ever see White Sox Dave in person, we're boxing. <laughs> Put that on the record right now. As uh, far as Sox of, Twitter gatherings go. None of that made sense to me. Um, that's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, back that's back. okay. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you one last question before we get to the final section of the podcast. Tell me about a time when you laughed super hard. Uh, it can be the hardest you've ever laughed. It can be something that happened recently. Uh, it does not have to be a good story. It's okay. Like just a time when like, you know, you're laughing so hard, you're crying. What happened? Who's there? What's going on? Oh man. 
And that almost like started off as a job interview question. Like, oh, tell me about a time. <laughs> tell me, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, like, tell me about a time where you encountered adversity. <laughs> like, so, how, how did you? How, how did you handle that? I wanted to try and say <laughs> it grammatically. I wanted to try and be grammatically correct because that's a. It's a weird sentence to say. Like, uh, tell me about the time in which you laughed the hardest, or something. Like, it's just I don't know. It functionally is kind of weird. So. Uh, a time when you laugh super, super hard. It, like I said, again, it does not have to be a good story. Okay. You know, if somebody fell down, somebody farted, like that's fine. Like that's hilarious. I think we're finding is these, like usually the best answers are the ones that just come to your head first. The first thing that pops in your head. Yeah. Uh, I guess probably uh, the first thing that came to my head is that um, uh in the in the Brewers article I was writing for Baseball Prospectus uh, in the in the 50th percentile uh, where uh, inferably uh, the Brewers win the NL Central I wrote that uh, that this outcome largely depends on the flatulence of the Cubs and the Cardinals <laughs> and like I I just thought that sentence was so incredibly <laughs> hilarious I love that. And, that, and, and I, I think I got like really drunk and I, and I, <laughs> and I just like fell over laughing. <laughs> we and all like, have those like, moments. Don't we? I, I was just like, I'm fart hilarious. <laughs> I, I, it is, I swear to God, there are not many things that are funny forever, but farts are one of those things. Farts like I guarantee, I guarantee if you hopped in the time machine and went back to like ancient Greece, <sighs> Somebody rips a fart at like uh you know in Socrates's class or whatever, and like everybody's dying laughing. No, they like, found fart just, jokes at like Pompeii, like yeah. in mosaic fart jokes, like that, you know, fart where... jokes, and people falling down forever will be funny. Right, fart just... jokes, um, people falling down. I, I I I actually find that these nuts jokes are like hilarious. <laughs> like I, I will find any time, like any opportunity to, to drop a good D's nuts joke. Oh my so, god. I respect that's, that. I re- I respect that highly. That's amazing. Um all right, well we're gonna move to the last section here of the podcast. This is a thing we call the full count, oh, in boy. which we are going to ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories, three and two. Full oh, count. Clever, right? right. Um <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to patronize me. It's not. Um so first category, books. What is a book that you would recommend? And I want to preface these recommendations by saying it's okay if it's like an obvious recommendation. It does not have to be something obscure. If you want to be like, you know, recommend like, you know, I'd recommend you read Tom Sawyer or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, seriously, just whatever comes to your head. Yeah, I recommend that you read, uh, yeah, the uh, Baseball Prospectus uh, 2021 <laughs> no. Cut this out. Edit all of this. Edit all of this out. It's, it's only like, like literally the last book I read. Um, no, for real. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you you've known this, but I'm I'm honestly not that much of a reader. I know bad librarian. Bad um, a librarian who doesn't read. It d- define irony. Um, probably like like the last novel I read um was this book called uh the son of good fortune 
And uh, it's a book uh, essentially about uh, this, uh, this Filipino uh, mom and immigrant or mom and son and, and they're, they're immigrants. Uh, so uh, they're dealing with uh, uh, kind of adjusting to life in the United States. And this is kind of like um, the time in which this book takes place. It's a, it's a little ambiguous, but from context clues, uh, it's definitely uh, pre 9-11. So I'm guessing like probably like late 90s, um, like like early 2000s sort of. And so uh, the book is essentially just about life in Northern California um, as like a new immigrant. And there's lots of like just cultural discussions and uh, discussions about, you know, mother-son dynamics, uh, kind of... Um, relationship dynamics as well. Um, the main character ends up falling in love and gets a girl pregnant and they like run off to some hippie commune. And uh, it, it's just a very fascinating book. Uh, it's been about like three months since I've read it and I re like really can't stop thinking about it. So that's probably the book I would yeah, recommend. It sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. This guy was also born on an airplane too, so like his citizenship is kind of up in the air. Oh, but, that's crazy. Um, no pun the, the whole conflict is that both the mom and the son are both undocumented immigrants, so that they're always hiding. Ah. They're always like trying to keep a low profile. Um, so hmm. yeah, they, they they've kind of got that that whole struggle going on. Wow, that sounds really that's cool. Yeah, I like that's it. A very good one. Yeah. Um, next one, food recommendation. And that's like literally anything food related, like restaurant, food item, meal, whatever. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I'd probably say my go-to, my, my go-to food place, like the place that I will never get sick of eating at. Uh, there's a restaurant in the north suburbs of Chicago called Pita Inn. It is a Mediterranean restaurant. And like just everything I've had from there is so incredibly good. Uh, they're probably most famous for this uh, platter called the, the, the business lunch special, which is essentially like any kind of shawarma. Like there's like three different types of shawarma. You get like hummus, you get falafel, you get rice, you get couscous. You, you, you just get like all of this amazing shit for like, it, it's like this huge serving and it's only five bucks. Uh, so it, it, in my opinion, it's like the best deal in all of Chicago. Which suburb is it in? Uh, there's one in Skokie. There's one in Wheeling. And I oh, think there's like there. a couple of others too out there. But well, Skokie's close enough. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Sweet. That's, That's cool. Good. I like it. All right. Next one. Movies and or TV. Man. Um... I haven't been watching a lot of movies lately. Uh, TV, uh, probably the series uh, I just finished. What did I just finish? Um, uh, the show on Netflix called a Lupin. It's a it's it's in French. It's basically like based on this book series um, about this guy who's trying to emulate this like this con artist. Uh, it, it's really short. The episodes go by really fast. Uh, I, I really liked it. I, I'm really looking forward to season two. Uh, the other show that I watch on a regular basis is uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Classic. <laughs> Very classic. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's great. No, would recommend. Um, <laughs> uh, next up is music. 
Ooh. And I also want to ask, while we're thinking about music, I want to ask about the shirt that you're oh, wearing. Oh, yo, thank you, thank you, thank what, you. What <laughs> because <is> this is, <laughs> is it, it's Celine Dion, but like, what is this heavy metal logo? <laughs> so, obviously, this is like terrible radio because uh, we're on video, but anybody listening to this is obviously not, but... For for if the, anyone listening um, to this has made it this far, do they really care? For made it this far, right? For the viewers, and I know they're not viewers. Um, Janice is wearing a T-shirt that says Celine Dion, and it it has this logo. I can't even like tell. Yeah, my heart will go on, and it's like a skull and. Pentagram, uh, a pentagram, <laughs> and like it's essentially a, like a metal logo. Is this an officially licensed Celine Dion T-shirt? Uh, great question. It is not. It, it is definitely not. That's that's <laughs> hilarious. I love it. Um, I've been anyways, wondering that for like an hour and a half now. Yeah. So thank um, you. <laughs> music music recommendation. What is a band, album, song, whatever that you would recommend? Oh my god. Um. So I am a, a huge fan of uh, Sophie. Uh, so she just recently passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the um, what was it? She was like a was she not a DJ? Yeah, she was, was she a DJ? producer. Uh, she producer, was a producer, yeah. DJ, yeah. Um, and and just like a really great musician and all, all in yeah. all. So uh, yeah, like she just kind of passed away unexpectedly. Um, it was an accident, and just did like to, to hear about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She like accidentally fell out of a window or something like that, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, it, it was it was just really shocking. Yeah. And so like I've always been a longtime fan of hers. Yeah. So uh, I feel as if her album, uh, the uh, Oil of Every Pearl's on Insides. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Like absolutely one of my favorite albums. Uh, I will never get enough of the song um, uh, "Immaterial." I, I think it's probably one of like my, my favorite all time songs. It's just it's just so good. Like it hypes you up. It has like this good upbeat tempo. Uh, but yeah, uh, just the first thing that comes to mind is definitely Sophie. That's a great recommendation. Um, all right, last category. It's my favorite category. Miscellaneous. Anything from your life, this can be an activity, a gadget, a thing you do, literally anything that you would recommend to others. And what I always tell people is that the first thing that pops up in your head is usually the best thing. Mm. Wow. Like, like, like this is just so far, far and wide. I know. I know. And, and it's easy to get buried in like... Oh, what am I? What do I recommend? What are the first thing that pops in your head, no matter how dumb it may sound to you? Yeah, that's that's the one I want to hear. Right. Well, I've got a pretty first. dumb one. Uh, Perfect. Looking, but looking behind me, uh, probably my favorite purchase in like this whole like like mess of a panini is probably uh, my Peloton. I, I think it's probably like my favorite thing that I've bought. Um, are you part of the Peloton cult? <laughs> Uh, I probably am. And that's really hilarious. Cause I always used to like, uh, clown on Peloton or <laughs> just be like, you have a, you have a, a first bike in your house. Like, like, like that's weird. Like, I, I go, I go to the gym, like a normal person. Uh, but then what I, what is realized, it about the Peloton that you love? Like what's uh, so great about the it? fact that I could just like jump on that bike and work out whenever I want. 
so that's cool. And also too, um, I can just look like a total fool without having an audience. Like it's just, just like, like it's, it's only my dog that, that just watches me just like huff and puff on this bike. And like, like, like she doesn't care. Like, like she has no judgment on me. Uh, and yeah, the classes are fun. Uh, and I don't want to sound like too much like a culty, but like a lot of the times, like the instructors will tell you things like, you know, like you matter. Um, like, like you woke up today, be happy. Uh, a lot of them like will tell you like, uh, be proud of what your body can do. And it's sort of like, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, and just to hear those things, like when like no one else is saying it around me, like it, it, it helps it, it, like it really does. That actually makes the, so SNL did a Peloton sketch a few yeah, weeks I saw ago. That. With the yeah. Negative reinforcement. With the negative re- <laughs> that makes that sketch make a lot more sense now where they're just like, Oh, look who uh, decided to exercise today. <laughs> or uh, you're doing okay. You know, for you, <laughs> just, yeah that that makes it make a lot more sense but so is, is that what it is really with the classes because i've always been kind of confused as to what it is with peloton specifically rather than just being like oh i got a stationary bike that seems fairly like mundane but people have made a big deal out of peloton specifically like it's a cult it's not there's no stationary bike cult there's a peloton cult so is that what it yeah. is classes and there's something like really like I don't know if special is the right word, but you you find those like compelling and yeah. So it, it's it's they they do a lot more than just like this the cycling classes. So there's also like strength training. Uh, they also do like yoga and all that shit too. And probably the most appealing thing, like especially like in in the uh, Panceta age, is that a uh, live live classes are are a thing. So like on my birthday, I made it a point to take a boot camp class because I, I, I would know that the instructor would give me a shot out. So and, and she did. She did. She actually like said my name in the middle of the workout. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm being noticed. Yes, I have validation. <laughs> So like external validation is so hard to come by, I think, like, especially in this day and age. So I I definitely like chased it in in, in this context. Uh, So to get that, like it's a rush, I have to admit. And and of course, too, like, like they keep track of your milestones, too. So like, like every hundred rides, every 200 rides, every 300 rides, like Mm -hmm. they want to give you credit. So like to, to get noticed, to get noticed is, is like a big endorphin rush. Well, that's, uh, that seems like a good time to mention that this episode of Shag and Flies is sponsored by Peloton. Uh, <laughs> use, use code Shaggin at Peloton.com. <laughs> uh, no, Nick go buy a Peloton. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I died here. Sponsored by Peloton. My God. We love Peloton. Oh, Peloton, sponsor us. Send us free Pelotons. Um, Please. Anyways, this is this is great. We're at uh, great. This is the second longest episode we've ever done, and I love it. Uh, second Janice, only to Ahedos. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even joking. Uh, Mikey uh, talked about mental health probably for the first. God, hour and a half. It was like podcast. hour fifteen at least. Yeah, but it I was great it was too. Okay. Yeah. It was great. It was, I mean, you know, since he works in the field, we talked uh, about mental health for a long time. And then we talked a lot about music because I can just, 
if I start talking about music with somebody, I get sucked into a rabbit hole. I had to restrain myself when we had Chris Towers on because I wanted to talk music. Uh, I I want to do a music podcast, just period, with him. Even just that stuff. Like, I'm so glad we could talk about like libraries and stuff too, though. Mm. Yeah, 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 I love talking about libraries. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, anyways, all of this is to say, Janice, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. You are a joy and it was so much fun to get to talk to you. Uh, I've, I've only ever interacted with you on, on Twitter. So it's nice to actually like sit down and even if it's, you know, online over video conference, still just to be able to sit down and just chat for like almost three hours. It's great. And, uh, yeah, you're wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so, Thanks much, so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, both of you are, are absolutely wonderful. It, it didn't even feel like three hours, honestly. Like, oh, I know. Yeah, I, I've just been kind of just like sitting here, and like I honestly like have to go to the bathroom, like like so. <laughs> well, but, but it's, it's sort of like like this has been such an engaging conversation that it, it's not like I'm just like like oh shit. like I'm just gonna just like run to the bathroom <laughs> and like have these guys talk like while I'm like just doing my business off we can like, we can also like <laughs> for any but any future guests who may be listening if you do need to go to the bathroom we can cut things we do have the ability to edit like we generally try not to edit a lot but if there's like dead space because you got to go do something we can edit that <laughs> like it's fine like, hey, like, it felt like absolutely nothing though so no, like glad. in I'm order to glad. like to talk to you guys for like three hours straight was like well worth holding it so I, I appreciate you. Like I said, you've been through the podcast gauntlet lately too. So yeah, uh, I've been on three podcasts in like the past week and I, I have mine nice. to record tomorrow where we're Zach will be joining on me and Sam. So, Oh man, that'll be fun. That's going to be a party. Oh yeah. yeah. 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, on that note again, Janice, thank you so much for joining yes, us. For real, for real. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Hey, see you at a GRS sometime this summer. Hell yes. Manifest it. Yes. Manifest GRF. Yeah. Post vaccine. (laughs) I got mine on Tuesday. I'm all good to go. Man, lucky you. I'm not getting mine for at least a month.